Does the sun go on shining? And why does the sea rush to shore? Don't they know it's the end of the world? Cause you don't love me anymore. Good morning, friends, pals, and beloved listeners. Welcome to the Boy Howdy Podcast. I'm Annie. I'm disappointed in Fallout 4. <laughs> We're here to talk to y'all about pop culture detritus, but I should say right off, friends, this is probably going to be a Fallout-heavy talk. Slightly. Uh, I don't know how spoilerific it's going to be, because I'm not actually that far into the game. Actually, I should I, also I preface talk- I'm not that disappointed in the game, but I am a little surprised at how much it is just obliquely. Fallout 3.5, but anyway... I can talk obliquely about it. I don't need to discuss spoilers. Yeah, how many hours have you poured into that game? I am at 64 hours. Jesus Christ. So, Uh how many days have you played? Is that just like four days? So, you're averaging like a good 12 hours a day at least. I started playing on Tuesday night once I got home from work. So, Wednesday, Thursday, Uh, Friday. We're recording on Sunday. I took off Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Um, On Wednesday, I had a roofer come. So I will admit that there's probably about an hour and a half of that playtime, or maybe even two hours, (laughs) that's idling while I actually did things to keep my body and house alive. Fallout 4 is the kind of game where you're going to scratch up a lot of idle time because you might just get up while your game is paused. or Like, yeah, exactly. But even then, I can't scratch off. Yeah, I still have like... 64 hours in five days. That's pretty impressive. I'm committed. <laughs> so how I'm, do you think you're close to the end? Oh, fuck no. Well, fuck I don't know no. if you were just, like, sucking the marrow out of the main story, because, like, you can still keep on doing the quests after the game is over. It's not like you have to finish everything on your plate before you get to the dessert, but... So, I'll say this. I, I don't want to talk super in-depth with spoilers about Fallout. I can talk pretty obliquely, and frankly, there's so much well, to like, so, Fallout. Yeah, I've barely done anything, so yeah, I don't even have any reference for any spoilers you may have, yeah. What is, what is, or is not a spoiler is all kind of vague, because it may be something that you've never experienced in your gameplay at all. Yeah. But we'll try to be as as vague as we can. I will say this, and this is uh, pretty known, uh, this is a spoiler for the opening of the game. The game opens with um, your... I'm assuming if anyone's listening to this, probably at least seen the beginning. Well, if this is the motive, this is the motivation of the game. So, Fallout Three, the motivation was uh, your uh, you're looking for your father. Yeah, your um, you know, you're, uh, in this game, daddy. you are you choose to play either a husband or wife from a duo, and um, you witness uh, the death of your partner and the kidnapping of your child. Before your very eyes, and that is actually the first thing you see before you emerge from your cryostasis and are able to enter into the world. And it's interesting because in the way that, um, in Fallout 3, I dicked around, I mean, obviously I dicked around extensively because, you know, I'll find my father, whenever, like, he's an adult, <laughs> like, you know, but it's, it feels very different to be a parent 
and knowing that your child is kidnapped, yeah. it makes me feel a lot weirder from a hero's journey, so like a character motivation point of view, to dick around and think, oh no, I'm going to plant some flowers, I'm going to yeah. plant some uh, corn, when it's my child has been kidnapped. It's your baby child, too, not like your, it's not like your adult son or your teenage daughter, but like, your yeah. baby! And one of the core aspects of Fallout is that the time, like, there is a calendar date to every moment yeah. in the game. It keeps track. So yeah, it's like, you actually do spend, yeah, you, you, you do, the months and days pass, and you can chart them. Yeah. yeah. Like, I am about to miss Christmas with my child, and that is a weird thing. Like, it's Granted, totally a different sort of thing. Technically, that would only be the first Christmas in 210 years that you haven't spent together that's true that is true oh. but it's 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 fascinating because it makes me feel weird dicking around because i well, i've learned yeah, that yeah. i get i glean i have learned that i glean more pleasure from these games if i have a sense of the character that i'm playing yeah. but in a way it kind of in this game drains some of that pleasure just because having a sense of that person that i'm playing I, I part of my my headcanon for my backstory for my character was that she was apprehensive about being a mother and didn't really want to be a mother mm. and had never really made that connection because with she was her a child. <sighs> Fuck no, that's nope. Uh, the um the uh the t- t- but it's very different to see your loved one be killed and the same person who kills your loved one kidnaps your child. Yeah. It's like. That's that's a hell of a motivating factor, and why the hell would anyone do anything in that situation but just press forward with the main narrative? Like, just press forward and yeah. do... A lot of video games have had that problem, but, like, I remember that being a I, real big issue with Fallout... Well, not Fallout, with uh, Mass Effect 3, because that was another situation where, granted, you weren't timed, but the whole point of the story is that millions of people on Earth were dying every day you were fucking around. Yeah, and again, that's another thing where you're like, "Oh, I, I gotta go collect these food stamps on the Citadel." It's like, no, you should do what you know. What What are you doing? Like, yeah, it's yeah. And there's a part of me that can't shake free of the concept. Uh, Fallout Three didn't really do this, as I recall, though. Correct me if I'm wrong, but in Fallout One and Two, there was a a time. There was a timer on everything you did. Like, you had to perform an act within a certain number of days. Oh, I don't remember or, anything like that ever happening in Fallout 3. Yeah. Or you would you would die. It would have bad consequences. And so there's a part of me that's like, my child could grow up in the time. Like, it is not unreasonable to think that I could spend a year in in-game time dicking around before I get to this. And it's like, my child will be a year older. It's very cool that you like, have that emotional attachment to that, that kid. But, like, everything in the Well, no, 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 my point is, so- like, would... Fallout is, has been known to fuck with you like that. So I'm like, yeah. is it going to fucking do something? Like, if if I spend eight years in game time dicking around, will my child be eight years old when I get around to it? I doubt... I mean, Fallout will fuck with you in certain ways, but I think my only, my only experience with Fallout... We're talking about Fallout 3, New Vegas, and this. But, like, for me, in these ZeniMax, Bethesda Fallout games, everything is so plastic and unmoving... I can't ever imagine them them pulling a kind of like a time based trick like that. Well, here's my thing. My immediate thought is, well, what if time doesn't matter? 
what if something has happened to your child? Either your child has been changed yeah. or killed or something in such a way that the passage of time in such a crucial time of development of a small person oh, yeah. where, where the passage of time is significant, then from a narrative perspective, maybe they've just undone that with some other thing. I, it's hard so. for me to get emotionally invested in these games because, I mean, I have a good time and I like characters and stuff, but in terms of, like, role-playing the way you do, everything, like I said, everything seems to be so kind of plastic and kind of fake and you can kind of see the clockwork working all the time in the game it doesn't it feels like you're more like in this clockwork simulacrum rather than you're like in a real world where time actually has any effect and granted we've talked we've talked about this before too about how video games are terrible at marking the passage of time or letting time actually be in a dynamic that actually works in any meaningful way in 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 games and fallout Four has so many other problems going on. I can't imagine they would throw like time-based stuff on top of it. God, Bill, I have to say though, I'm enjoying. So, just on on top level, I'm really enjoying my time with Fallout. Mm -hmm. It means a lot to me, and it's been like really meditative and soothing, and like an urgent self-care that I need. And the idea of us spending two hours of you just taking, like, just dumping on it, does not sound like it's like. What do you? What are its problems? We can just not talk about Fallout Four, but. I'm not even trying to say I mean, I'm not saying bad. it's a perfect game. It is more Fallout 3, and that's These all I wanted it to be. always barely work. I'm not, like, even slight. This is just a known thing. I'm not even coming here with, like, my hot yeah. take on Fallout 4. I'm just saying... That, like, these games already have a hard enough time keeping their shit together without laying on, like, this brand new dynamic of, like, your baby growing in real time or anything like that. Well, I'll say this, where I was getting... One of the things that I have learned to enjoy about Fallout versus a Mass Effect, versus Dragon Age, is that so little of it happens on screen and it's all about what you bring to the table and what happens in your mind and your mind filling in a lot of those gaps and uh as much as that is in a lot of ways very limiting in other ways it's really freeing like i like other than yes in in a recording my husband makes allusion to the fact that i have a law degree like, it's just, um, there's not much in the game that tells me who I am or who, and, and your choices are so, um, uh, though there are ramifications in the world, it's not a lot of personal ramifications, it's not a lot of your character talking through ramifications no. or anything like that. It's all about what you bring into the table, it's all about what is happening in your mind. And that's a very, but that is a very different sort of perspective, and it's a, it's gameplay perspective I did not have with, um, Fallout 3 when I played it that time. It's something I learned in Skyrim, and that I'm now really enjoying in, in Fallout 4. The experience I am having in Fallout 4 that is happening in, on screen and in my mind in conjunction is far richer than the disappointments I had in, um, like, even Dragon Age Inquisition in some ways. Like, in those interpersonal, those narrative beats. Because no writer can beat what is happening in my mind. Mm-hmm. And Fallout 4 kind of just lets that happen. Yeah, you, you kind of grumbled at the idea that you had a law degree. So you, your character does not have a law degree? Yeah, it, she doesn't like it's a it's an in joke is my thing because okay, okay. it's like it's like that doesn't so there's a bill it's like a three hundred hour game five seconds of dialogue and recording isn't gonna undo well it's my, funny because like feelings. you said you went into this game with like this whole preconception of your character built up but this is the first time they've actually kind of tried to define your your character by saying like you're I mean, like having a voiced character who actually does have like a yeah. little bit of a like in game defined history. 
it just unfortunate that that does kind of rub against your tendency to kind of like walk into these games with like you, you with yeah well, you kind of make up your own character inside your head but this is the first time like, you're being constrained a little bit very specifically uh, a dude the... a dude saying in passing that i have a law degree does not undo oh, anything. it's in the text in the game i mean you can ignore it but it's it just <sighs> you're right you're right. I'm done. Everything that I had done, I had created. No, it's uh, it's turned to ash in my well, I'm mouth. I'm just saying it's, it's 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 it's. I appreciate the fact that they're trying to make more actual, like make your character an actual defined character, but at the it comes at the cost of potentially, like in the in the universe in in the in the, in the story of the game, kind of potentially limiting what you can think about your character depending on how much you want to adhere to what what the in-game text says about your character is all i'm saying to be fair if there is any lesson in fallout it is it is not who you were it is who you are now mm-hmm. that's kind of like the core concept of fallout is like everything that you were and everything that everything that you held dear kind of doesn't matter in the well, yeah that's um, the whole point of a post-apocalyptic stuff anyway it seems the same thing in the mad max game or it's mad max movies, it's you know. It's everything about in the uh, uh, in the in the not the crucifix in the um, in the hot the fucking hot pot in the crucible. <laughs> can't remember the actual. Thank you, crucible. Fuck, <laughs> you know, Bill in the crock pot of life. I will say, Auntie Entity said it best when she says, "One day you're cock of the walk, the next day you're a feather duster." Anyway, oh god, I don't. Okay, so Fallout. I'm really enjoying my time with it. I, 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 the, the, it is very much so just more Fallout Three, but I like the small changes that they've made to that formula. It is a much prettier game. I like the ambient music, uh, uh more like the actual like atmospheric music of the world a little more. Mm-hmm. And I really like. I am playing with a female vault dweller, and I really enjoy her her voice and her, her voice performance. Is great. Yeah, she's Jack from Mass Effect. Oh, is she? Yeah, I looked her up last night. Yeah, she does a great job. It is a character that is very much so a blank slate sort of character. Yeah. There's not much to that character other than, as Bill said, a passing mention that she has a law degree and that um, uh, we know this relationship with her husband and she lived in Boston and then she was yeah. went to a vault. That's kind of all we know about her. Okay, so and the, in and- your course of the game, they have not tried to define the character anymore. It's not like you found your baby and your baby's first words are, you are a straight female named Susan or something like that. Okay, good. I'm glad to see the law degree I is mean- pretty much the most they've tried to constrain what your character is or isn't. Um, it's, uh, I'm, I mean, uh, who knows? I may well run into, it turns out that all my friends have survived and I've learned everything like about yeah, my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad to but, see you haven't, you haven't yet in 64 hours though. That bodes um, well. So it's, um, all the little changes they've made, all the little things they've improved have been great and, but they haven't like gotten they haven't gotten rid of anything that was broken it's like lock picking is still the same um hacking into computers is still the same Uh, yeah the one thing that really surprised me is that they have some of the same music as the last game the first time i turned on the fucking radio the first songs i hear were anything goes bingo bongo bongo and something else where i was like really that really? that was a ballsy choice. There were, only like six ballsy go- choice. there were only six songs in the original game as it was, and to br- essentially bring back almost all the songs into this. I mean, there's new tunes in here too, but a c- only a couple it seems. 
It's there's more than a couple. I'd say it's maybe twenty five percent recycled music once uh, you, yeah, you strain. But still, that's but it's that's still a bold choice. And also in the narrative of the world, you're in a different place. Like it doesn't really necessarily make sense that these same albums have survived or anything like that. It's yeah. just a I weird mean, the Northeast weird corridor. Choice. So I guess maybe. <laughs> Like, there's a caravan selling a bunch of the same records between DC and, and Boston. You know what? That's maybe. actually not a, that's not a bad idea but, at all. Yeah, actually, I like that little... idea. What if there's, like, the, the primary source of all music in the apocalypse is this one, like, truck of album, of, like, holotapes yeah, exactly, that yeah, someone yeah. found? And, like, other than that, everything has been melted down or scrapped, and all there is is this one truck's yeah. worth of albums that have been traded. I do love okay, the TNT, Hotter Than TNT song, which, that's the, essentially, that's the Fallout 4 song, because that, that was what was in the original first reveal trailer and stuff but uh the classical music uh, channel is pretty cool i like they included that yeah. even though it is just like the most generic classical music where it's just like they have swan lake you can't go wrong with swan lake there's some good stuff in there um but yeah it's a little i was a little little that i and that Bill, was the first you, thing i heard where i was like man this really is just like fallout 3.5 um, you could not i think it's so funny that whereas i'm like yeah it's fallout 3.5 you sound just like well, not after, interested like, in the fact you know, that at it's eight fallout years and all this development time you think it'd be a little bit more just from a gameplay mechanic would be a little more just something See, I newer um, i feel like well i don't want something it's a well let's put it this way it's like I can't believe they came out with another Halo game that's a first-person shooter. Uh, I am shocked. Well, this is uh, actually it's, it's not just that. If, if, if it was three point, it was if it was uh, Mass Effect or I can't. Remember. If this were Fallout three point five, and worked better, I think it would be. I, I would be less fr- like kind of you... grumpy about this. The fact that it's Halo, uh, it's it's Fallout three point five, and still barely works. When you say, what do you mean by barely works? Just shitloads of bugs. People have had been having game-breaking bugs left and right. I've got a bug right now where all the preview pictures and all my saves don't, like, like are all jumbled and stuff like that. So just looking visually, when I'm looking for, uh, at saves to load, I can't tell which is what. Um, there's been a couple audio bugs for five minutes last night. The sound dropped out of my game completely and then turned back on. Um, just stuff where I'm kind of surprised this game even passed certification, which if they're just, I, it's funny cause, uh, I was talking to Daniel Grumpy Turtle yesterday and he pointed out, I thought they were just using the exact same engine from, uh, Fallout, uh, 3 and New Vegas, but with new polish. And he pointed out that this is actually technically the Skyrim engine, which basically is yeah. the same engine, but they, they kind of gave it a hearty upgrade for Skyrim. But at the same time, they've been using this tech for 10 years now, and they've had so much development time on this. And it looks so polished when they first unveiled it six months ago that I thought it would be at least a little bit more in a better, more solid state at release, but it's like barely clanking along. I don't See, I, I've played for an obscene amount of time, yeah. and I've hit three bugs in that time. One, which is where the audio didn't, the audio was correct, but the subtitles didn't match. That's happened to me twice. That, that was and, one of the first things that happened to me, too, yeah. And once, um, uh, something else happened, I can't remember. Yeah, I have, I've I, had I a couple that, times where, um, talking to people, that uh, when I hit X to talk to them, it didn't work. Um, the, the first thing I did where I went to go meet, like, Preston Sturges at whatever little town it is. <laughs> Preston Garvey? Yeah, Preston Garvey. Well, it's funny. It's Preston Garvey and then, like, Sturges. Yeah, Sturges Smithson. is his bro. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, the, the the subtitles for that have got all messed. It's, it's again, for me, at least, not, I, I've, I've talked to other people who have actually had game-breaking bugs and have had to restart. 
But at least with me, it's been mostly cosmetic stuff, but it's still like, ugh, it's like, damn. And this is, like, this, it's, it's, it's barely, it's, it's pretty ramshackle. Um, See, like, I think it's just, it's part of, like, how hard this game is to, um, uh, QA. Because, like I said, I'm having kind of a one, like, a totally acceptable time. I have not, I would not even call it broken. I have yet to have anything that happens. I would call it broken. I would call it broken. When my this, point so is, many... is that boy, yeah. this is really a lot of fun. Um, my point is, is that well, it's we just not such talk a about. Huge I'm fine with not talking about Fallout Four. You're obviously very invested in this. Where? Wow, I was. I mean, I'm. I'm happy to talk about its flaws. It has flaws, but I'm just, you know, it, there's more to it than its flaws, I guess, to me. And uh, I guess it's not for you. I'm sorry you're having such a rough time with it because it is to it. This is kind of exactly what I needed right now. This yeah. is I'm glad you has been that. more brain soothing than meditation or talk therapy or yeah. like this means a lot to me at this time in my life. And I've been struggling lately, and this has been a balm that has really been enormously helpful, and I'm grateful for it. Um, and I've really, really been enjoying my time with it. And, uh, it's made me laugh. It's made me cry. It's made me uh, gasp, uh, in surprise and gasp in delight. Uh, it's just, it feels, if, if you are someone who really enjoyed your time with Fallout 3, it is just like a warm hug from a beloved friend. And it's been phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. So, that's my thoughts on Fallout 4. If we're not going to talk about it a whole lot, uh, I don't have much else to talk about it because I played for almost 70 hours this week. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, I played Yokai little Yokai Watch this week, which is like Nintendo's like new Pokemon game. It's ah uh, yeah, um, so it's it's the one where there are ghosts and like a Japanese town yeah, or spirits. The marketing for Nintendo is very specific to not want to call them ghosts because I guess in Japan yokai yokai are a known thing. They're like essentially to like spirits and not necessarily just like ghosts in in that like they're spirits like of dead people, but they're just spirits that can inhabit like like any inanimate object and stuff. And so in this game, kind of like in the same way that Pokemon are animals, or technically you can kind of call them animals, but they're not really animals. Right. Um, these are ghosts, but they're not like really ghosts. They're like their their own like very Japanese centric thing. So in the instead of in, in this game, you're running around instead of collecting little animals, you're collecting little ghosts that live in the world. And your uh yokoi watch is this little watch that has this lens that you can hold up and look around and see if there's any ghosts like invisible ghosts hanging around in the air. And then if you find one, you could take like the the yokoi you've already captured and they fight them actually you don't even capture the ghosts so what happens when you beat a ghost they give you a little medallion so you can summon it in combat so you're not like technically it's more humane than pokemon sure uh, it's very cute and goofy uh it'll be interesting to see if this catches on anyway like pokemon did uh because it's really the, the most interesting thing about this game is this is a this is one of the most japanese centric games i've seen in a long time especially coming out of nintendo because this uh -huh. game very specifically takes place in Japan. Um, like, the first thing you do, you go to, like, a, to a Shinto shrine, and there's just all this Japanese religious stuff uh, that you're interacting with, which in the game is localized. You're in this town called Springdale, and it's just like, oh, it's America, except everything looks weird. Um, and they do a very terrible job. It's, it's, it's where they just didn't come out and say, okay, this game takes place in Japan. We're going to explain what these ghosts are like, try to like couch it right. more like realistic. I mean, granted, it's a Pokemon. It's, it's all fantasy, but it's weird that they didn't take advantage of, 
they didn't like try to make this like a teachable moment where they get, like could have like taught kids a little bit, a bit about like Japanese animism a little bit. Granted, we're talking about very abstract ideas which are very hard to communicate in the tutorial for a video game where cultural stuff is not necessarily the point of the game. The point of the game is just to capture these monsters. But like yeah. the existence of these monsters and everything like that is such a, a very a specifically an extension of very specifically Japanese cultural stuff. It's weird that they just tried to like pass it off like, oh yeah, no, this this is like your town, except for some reason whenever you go see a giant tree, there's like ropes tied around it with like little Shinto ribbons hanging from them for no reason. Oh, and there's a Shinto priest, except in this game we're gonna call him Crazy Larry. Instead of like old priest man. You know, it's just kinda like weird stuff like that, so it's kind, it kind of, of like yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's like what is the job of localization? Is it truly to just translate the material so you can understand it the way it is, or is the intention to uh, redefine it in a context that is accessible yeah. to uh, its players so that it can be perhaps more of a commercial success? Yeah, and I think this they they, they could have mixed it up a little bit more because this is really kind of whitewashed in a way that like I'm not much into. I'm not one of those people who's like, oh man, they'd whitewash this game. They could have taught kids so much about Japanese culture. But from just a story building, from a story making, uh, storytelling and world building perspective, this game, like, I can't imagine you'd be a little kid playing this game not going, like, this, something about this doesn't seem right. This is obviously not America. Something else is going on. It would have been okay for them to say, hey, this takes place in Japan. In Japan, things are a little bit different. Still, you could pretty much have exactly the same text, but if you just call the town, like, just call it, like, you could just say, it's a town called Springdale in Japan or something like that. Yeah. You know, they could have yeah. cut it, they could have mixed it up just a little bit to at least give the yokoi a little more context. Granted, I'm only in the first couple hours of the game, but it is okay. It's the first time I've turned on my 3DS in, since, like... Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, geez. there's, like, barely any 3DS. Man, the 3DS is fucking dying. There's, like, two games coming out. Um, oh, I shouldn't say that, because Nintendo did have, like, a Nintendo Direct this week, where they actually announced a whole bunch of new, uh, Wii U. And I was gonna say, stuff. presumably we'll talk about that in Geek Week Interview. I just saw everybody on my timeline losing their mind over, uh... Which part? Over the... I saw a lot of people freaking out about Bill? Bill? What? Yeah, oh, I Bill just saw Trident. a lot of people saying... He's- he's-, he's the head of localization at Nintendo, and they had a bunch of skits where he was, like, eating everyone's donuts. At the on the oh, Nintendo oh, okay. video press conference, <laughs> that's it's you didn't been, miss was, anything. Yeah, it was fascinating because normally, like, I'm the asshole watching something and, and talking excitedly about it, though less so yeah. lately. And it's interesting to be on the other side of that, just be like, I have no idea what shared cultural moment y'all are all experiencing <laughs> right now. Oh, oh, the big news actually came out of that uh, Nintendo Direct was Cloud from Final Fantasy VII is going to be in Smash Brothers. And I don't care Man. about Smash Brothers, and I don't care about Cloud, so I was completely that was completely lost on me. But yeah, that's uh, that's intense, yeah. man. So I'll, all you've done this week, it's just been uh, I've played Cloud? almost seventy hours of Fallout. That's who's that's your? Been... Who's no, your I don't know, dude. You dislike Fallout so much. I don't know if I like. This is like not fun to talk to about you if you're just going to talk about how. It's I, I didn't say dislike it. It just I I thought Bill, I was going to talk about normal terms. I didn't realize it was going to be such a soft spot that I couldn't say anything well, bad about the game. Bill, it's not a soft spot when you say I like the sandwich. Like the bread is soggy and you know the meat's flavorless and uh, you know there's not any condiments on it. But if you like that sort of shit, I guess it's an acceptable. I'm just it's telling you that like, my game barely works. <laughs> it's not which even. Is, it's not even like right. a thing where I'm saying I don't like this. I'm just saying like the game barely, just on a mechanical level, barely functions. In your barely functioning game, Bill, who is your companion? Piper, right now. 
Oh, you're going around with Piper? Yeah, yeah, I just switched up from the dog for the first time. I feel like I betrayed the dog, but Piper's kind of cool. It is surprisingly hard to not take dog meat around. And uh, really, uh, technically, dog meat is the most, like, tactically wise companion in a lot of ways in that he can help you find containers with important yeah. supplies and stuff. And, like, he can, um, like, he, he he's just a helpful little guy. But um, he's the only one who doesn't have an arc or anything like that. Yeah, and there's point, yeah. no, like progression or dialogue or anything so it's uh like it's technically like game like gamey game good story and possibly new um plot arcs bad to take dog to take dog meat around but dog meat's so great he's my dog i have him in little armor he's got a little bandana so you can you can dress dog meat and like you can put goggles on him you can put a bandana on him you can find some armor on other dogs in the world and give them to dog meat Oh, so, I don't yeah, his armor because did you put goggles on him yet? Yeah. If you put goggles on him, look at his goggles because, like, it's not transparent goggles. They painted, like, dog eyeball textures on top of the goggle surface. So it looks extra <laughs> dopey if you really just kind of zoom in and look at him because he looks, like, kind of cross-eyed and kind of extra silly. Um, but, yeah, I could say, like, well, uh, having new companions, does that open up new quest lines, too? It, so as you get closer, I will say I haven't um, gotten into a uh, like a negative relationship with a companion. I presume if you get negative to a point, they'll just leave. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if it's like a Dragon Age two thing where there are negative paths you can go down. But um, if you once you befriend companions, some of them do have essentially loyalty missions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Preston has one. Um, Oh, uh, I, I just last night I did a character named Kate. Kate has one. Oh, okay. Um, uh, presumably, there's this character you mean named Strong. I bet you Strong has one okay. from what the conversations you have with him. So, uh, and they're just like they'll just like you know there's just a place in the world you have to explore too. Man, Kate is my go-to companion right now. You find her in um in in the heart of Boston, and. Uh, Man, she's like, oh, we need to go to this location, which was like in the deepest southwest where I hadn't I hadn't explored, and I knew I was not leveled enough <laughs> yeah. to go to. And Foley's like, you have to go help Kate. And I'm just like, son of a bitch. Did you get a map <laughs> with your copy of the game? Like a physical map? Uh, I don't look at any of the things. Oh, that because come in my like game. a I just physical put map comes with like essentially a heat map of how fucked up the enemies are, and yeah, the southwest is oh, a yeah. mess. Yeah, no, it's, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, you're gonna get torn, oh, yeah, oh, you're gonna I will say, well, no, I did it and succeeded and was able to do it because I was tactical about okay. it, but the best part of it, so one of the changes in that Fallout 4 is that characters can be legendary characters, where, um, they're, a ho- they're usually a little more difficult, um, they're basically like a boss, but by defeating them, you get these special objects that have special qualities to them. Like, for example, in beating the ba- the enemy I'm about to describe, I got a 10 millimeter pistol that never needs to be reloaded. Wow. Which is perfect because uh, that's how i i play with the 10 millimeter so i'm like that's this what i've been changed. playing too and i've heard other people talk about the 10 millimeter and get you through like two-thirds of the game at least i'll believe it yeah. so anyway um so i get to this pond i get to this like park where there was uh clearly some sort of event was about to go on and um there's like because there's like a a a uh, platform out and there's like some uh like ribbons up and f- like flags everywhere and uh, there are people at the park and everything like that or i should say there were people at the park they're all dead now and there are some ghouls floating around and i'm sneaking around it 
and I notice that there are there's this shack with all of these robotrons, like these uh, these uh, that's not what they're called protectrons. Excuse me, protectrons with these big robot yeah. guys and. There's one of each type of Protectron. There's a medic, a firefighter, a police officer, and I can't remember the fourth one. It's not wasn't a construction worker. It was another kind of vaguely civic services minded one. And um, I get in, I hack into the terminal, and there's this thing about him saying like, "Oh yeah, for all holidays we do a Protectron parade." Um, uh, these are the holidays that this happens on, or you can go ahead and engage it now. So I, uh, go, I'm like, sure, why not? As a general policy, if I ever come across a protectron, I, uh, let them out so that they can draw whatever fire and alert me of oh, any yeah, enemies. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. So my policy is always to let them go, and if they go left, I go right. And I just kind of noodle around a little bit, because they move very ponderously, and let them get going. So after a moment, I get impatient. They're moving towards kind of near this one building. And I'm like, man, I got to go search that building. I'm going to go anyway. So I go, I literally get within 10 feet of this building and a legendary Deathclaw emerges from this building. And I lose my shit because Deathclaws are one of the most, like, are one of the strong, traditionally. Yeah. This is only the second Deathclaw I've ever run across and the only one that I am within 10 feet of I've run across so far. And I'm like, I'm going to die. This is it. Because Deathclaws just historically fuck you up in, in, uh... Fallout games. So I'm like, holy shit, and I turn tail and I run off. Meanwhile, Kate is um, like, I can take him, and she only has this wrench. This wrench that I gave her <laughs> because it was a special wrench. so fucking stupid, it's great, yeah. I, I gave her a wrench because it has an ability where there's a percentage, it's, I got it from another boss, yeah. and uh, uh, it has a likelihood to uh, wound, uh, to, uh, I should say, to cripple whatever limb it hits. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, that's likelihood. Good. So I'm like, I'm like, well, you get up close, and I'll get up, I'll stay back, and we'll work out things out. But she just goes for this death claw, <laughs> and I run back through the protectons, who are all immediately like, activate, exterminate, and so I just hang back and watch as this death claw attacks these robots and my pal, and have this ridiculous fight, because like, the fire firefighter one is blowing like um uh like a uh, uh, extinguisher spray like yeah. foam at it and like it's just ridiculous this is why you play and- fallout that's why like at a certain point like any kind of bugs or anything like that i might be ha- like that that's that's why you play fallout. it's like those weird like and that kind of moment is so unique to you and your gameplay that like no one else exactly. really see that kind like- of combination of weird shit yeah. That's not a spoiler because, like, it's because it's like I mean, it is in that this exists in the world. But, but what yeah, happens to you? Maybe totally it's your personal different. story. Yeah, it was. I'm just laughing uncontrollably. This is happening, and they killed the Deathclaw. They did <laughs> it. <laughs> the five of them defeated it, and so I just go up and loot it, and then I get this magical, infinitely replenishing ten millimeter. I'm Holy like, all right, shit. this is my life now. So, are they known? <laughs> like, if I wanted to go looking for that legendary Deathclaw, could I find it eventually, or is that just unique to your game? Um, I, it's not clear. I, I think that the, um, I don't think they're random. I think the, the boss creatures exist in set places. Oh, okay. So yeah. My, okay. They're almost like characters the feeling I'm in getting. the game. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I think the only thing that happens randomly in this game is that an enemy that you're fighting can randomly mutate. I saw that for and... the first time last night when I was shooting at a dog and it mutated halfway through the fight. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, so uh, creatures or any any enemy that you're fighting can randomly mutate, replenish all of its health, and all of a sudden become a much harder fight, like just out of the blue. 
Yeah, I only so, saw that um, once last night. I was lucky enough to have the cryo gun that is in the first. Uh... Oh, you got the cryo gun. Did you know? Did you yeah. see how you get it? Or no. you get it early? Just go back to uh, Vault One 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 with the dog meat and say, "Hey, stand in front of the 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 cryo gun uh, locked case and say, hey, go find me something.'" And of course he'll go look for the gun, and that like he'll let you unlock it. He'll essentially unlock it for you. Um, Seriously? Yeah. So they go he'll back unlock. And lock I think there's two hundred cryo gun cells in there too, and that will fuck. Man, I'm, I'm start. I'm just starting to run into super mutants now, and that the cryo gun will fuck up super mutants. It's great. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm 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 beating characters who I should not be beating right now because I got access to that cryo gun. Um, yeah, I just, I put enough points in my small guns, uh, uh, in my non-automatic pistols thing early enough that it does 60% more, da- anytime I do a non-automatic pistol, it does 60% more damage anyway. Yeah, what? And I did the gun nut perk so I can, like, modify oh, all I my stuff. I just unlocked that last night, Sunday. yeah. So, so, yeah, what stats are you Annie's- pouring, pouring a, a perk, uh, uh, stat points into? Uh, my, my, so my thesis theme was like, this lady is charismatic as hell and good with pistols. So that means she needs to have perception and agility and everything else is kind of like, and I was like, and I want to kind of put it into ju- uh, luck too. And everything else is just kind of like You're evenly distributed. Pretty much the same between. character. Cause I'm pretty much all charisma and luck right now. Yeah. I, I, I have like some in strength, some in endurance. Do you have the lone wonder? Like, eh, no, because I want to be with my pals. Why would I have a perk to be on my own when I want to oh, be with no, my pals? Oh, no, no, not Lone Wonder. The, the guy who comes up and shoots things randomly for you in Vats. The Mysterious Stranger. That's what it is. Do you have him? No, I don't have the Mysterious yeah, Stranger. Yeah, I locked him. He's a good time. I have that, and everyone explodes when you shoot them sometimes. <laughs> but, okay, here are Annie's pro tips on playing Fallout 4, because we, we talked about this a little bit last week, because um, you had mentioned how you were, like, shocked that someone would say that Fallout 4 is Game of the Week, or is not Game of the Week, that Rise of the Tomb Raider yeah! is, and I had said... I had said, well, of course, because Fallout 4 is inscrutable, and I had no idea how... Uh, uh, what's the word? How, um, prescient <laughs> that phrase was. Because goddamn Fallout 4 gives you a lot of shit to do and does a bare minimum of explaining any of I it. have kind of messed with the home base stuff, and the mm-hmm. armor stuff is a complete mystery to me. I... It's, yeah. Um, what I, I had so, to look this up last night with the armor stuff. What happens is, like, so they, there's a layered armor thing in this game. Fallout 3, there were just, like, bits of clothing and stuff you could put on yourself. And this one, there's still that, but there's also, like, individual, like, leg armor and chest armor and arm armor that you could stack on top of some of the clothing you may already be wearing, but not everything. Because, mm-hmm. like, I've been running around yeah. in a tuxedo and a fedora for the whole game so far. And, well, not the whole game, but at the beginning I was, like, switching between a couple different things. But every, like, uh, every outfit I had on, every time I tried to, stack, like, put, like, an extra piece of armor on top of that would make that original clothing disappear. So I'd just be naked running around yeah. with, like, a leg brace. Yeah. And so then I, I had to look it up and realize there are some outfits that you can ha- wear armor on top of and some you can't. And every time I just, I just happen to be wearing the kind of clothing that you have to take off completely before you start putting, like, individual pieces of armor on. And it seems really arbitrary what outfits you can layer exactly. on. Like in, in the fiction, they're like, oh, it's clothing that is thin enough yeah. that you can wear. Like, you, like the baseball like, outfit, you can stack stuff on top of, but not like the tuxedo or red dress or anything. Yeah. Or like you, you can't wear uh, slacks and a t-shirt. That's too thick to wear armor over. Yeah. Although like, there is uh, like, of, a, like, a, like jeans and a t-shirt. 
I guess supposedly you can stack stuff on, up on top of. But like, there's an undershirt and t-shirt that you can't. Man, the first or like, there's something like that. Oh, God, it was terrible because like, I I I I had Piper start carrying stuff for me. And then I gave her a bunch of clothes, and I started changing her clothes, and she didn't look like Piper anymore, and I was scared. And I put her back in her press cap. I know. Her. She has to have that That's costume. Foley and I were talking about this because she was like, "Why don't you change their outfit?" I'm like, "Because that's not." I had this issue just to some degree with Dragon Age Inquisition. I'm like, "That's not what they look like. Yeah, exactly, you can't yeah. put them in that outfit." That's one of the re- many reasons why I like Kate is that her outfit, a which I find delightful. I didn't know when, this when y'all run into Kate, when y'all run into Kate, you will see why she she is transparently Annie Bate. Yeah, it's okay. not even funny. She's totally my sort of character, um, and many many reasons. Um, but uh, she um, her outfit is light enough that you can actually layer armor on top. Oh, okay, of it, which is refreshing as hell. Because goddamn. Um, also, oh, but anyway, yeah. Go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead, go ahead, my friend. You go ahead. I was about to go into Annie's pro tips, so please continue. Oh, I was just going to say the only reason I even switched to Piper, too, was because you were kind of talking about the story stuff, was because she was like, I want to go out in the world and tell the stories. I was like, okay, from a story perspective, I'm kind of curious to see what would happen. But I was also kind of curious to see what happens if I switch over to her and let Dogmeat go. And it was the cutest thing because I was inside Piper's like little cabin and I say, Dogmeat, go. And Dogmeat barks and then he walks over to the front door and like magically the door handle turns and he disappears through the door as if he just like <laughs> i just i just had to throw that out there before i forgot about because it, it was charming as shit but yeah go on with your pro tips what's really cute is if you have a character and you dismiss them for another character usually those two characters will have a little dialogue oh really it's okay. really charming oh yeah well, it's Piper, really she, gave, she was like hey sorry boy and she gave like dog meat a pet or something like that and then yeah, yeah. Oh. Or they'll just like it's like whatever. If you want to have those two characters interact, that's a really good way to do Fall it. Fallout is awesome. Fallout is a great game. It's, okay, thank you. Now I can talk to you about this because she's having you be doom and gloom. I'm like, God, yes, it's a game to be critical of, but I just it makes me happy. I want to talk about the things that make me happy. Yeah, I'm um, say Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So okay, here's Annie's pro tips for Fallout Four. <laughs> Um, uh, pick up all the fucking junk in the world. Every goddamn thing. This a thing that can happen now too, because shit. It used to be that junk had, you know, it had a literal perhaps value that you could sell it, but now its value is not so much in how much you can get selling it. Now its value is what it is composed of. And now I am to the point where if I see anything that I know is based of leather or adhesive or oil, I jump on it like I'm. I will run across them map to find those things but anyway so pick up everything you can and take it back to whatever base you identify as your home base and pick one yeah what's your home base right and now i do sanctuary just I because still, yeah, i yeah. have emotional attachments to it i should probably not because the farther out i get in the map the more time it takes to travel oh, presumably yeah. and i'm probably killing and then your son's away. getting older and then my son's getting older exactly but um uh so uh so, and just go up to any of the workbenches in your camp and um, hit, hit the transfer button and dump all of that junk into that cache. What that will do is it'll put it in a shared cache um, across all of your workbenches at Oh, that I thought outpost. it was, I didn't realize it did that. 
And if you then go to one of your settlers, or you can even do this with one of your companions, but the disadvantage of then is that you don't, your companion will be doing this route and you won't necessarily see them and find them to be able to recruit them again. You can go up to, while you have that workbench vision active where you can build things on your settlement, you can go up to any settler and tell them to start a uh, supply route. See, that's and if they do I, a su- I saw that there's a perk that like lets you I think you can do this without having a like a supply route perk. No, I take that back. You're absolutely correct. You have to have it's a charisma perk. Yeah, cuz I'm getting close to that. I'm working towards that, but yeah, okay, I didn't yeah, okay. I highly recommend doing that because when you have that, you can set up a supply line and you can tell that settler/companion to do a supply line between that base and another base. And then that cash that is in that that you've transferred into the workbenches is shared across See, those that's bases. that's exactly what I was hoping would happen, yeah, because it sucks to have to always have to travel back to Sanctuary to get that stuff. Um, yeah. When you put, so, when you transfer stuff into the workbench, does it automatically break the junk down into its constituent parts, or do you still have to do that yourself manually? You you don't have to break anything down at all. When you craft things, it'll basically, it's so like, let's say I have uh, duct tape. Yeah. The game knows that duct tape means adhesive, so when I'm crafting, like, a shotgun or something that needs adhesive, yeah. when I tell it to craft, it'll pop up and say, okay, we're going to break down this duct tape for adhesive we're gonna break down this tin can for steel are you okay with that okay. and you can hit okay it was just a so you weird. don't actually have to break anything yeah down. when i looked into what was sitting inside my uh workbench in sanctuary for some reason it looked like some of the stuff had already been broken down and it was I wasn't quite sure for some reason like just throwing in there kind of broke it down or maybe i was just confused and i just saw the label where we're just saying what it translates what what the like baseball glove equals two leathers maybe i was just confusing that with yeah um, i'll say this a had you done any crafting at that point yeah a little bit i've created a couple gun mods because i think that like i said when you use a material and it breaks it down whatever is not used, oh and then just, then just it, that's probably your... what i was looking at yeah because yeah. i was like two adhesives were just sitting in there oh, okay yeah and um, B, I, I read this, but I can't figure out how it works or how it happens or if it happens <laughs> because Fallout is inscrutable. But um, apparently, if you have settlers, whatever settlers are not assigned to a task like farming will pick will f- go scavenging and find scrap. Okay. This is what I've heard, but I don't actually understand how it works or if I have to instigate it or where that scrap goes because I have so much, at this point, I have so much junk in that, in that outpost because literally every map I go to, I clear. I load up on junk, then I hand it off to my companion, and then I head back home and unload all that junk because I never know what I'm going to need. Yeah, that's my process. I fill up my companion, then I fill myself up, and then we, we fly back to Sanctuary, dump it all off into that workbench. Or whatever yeah. can't fit into the whatever I, whatever junk I can't put into the workbench, I just put everything else into the red toolbox next to the, the uh, uh, yeah. toolbench, which essentially turned into a TARDIS now, filled with like literally thousands of pounds of junk. Um, yeah, have you? I, the only disadvantage to that is that when you set up supply lines, whatever was in is in that toolbox won't be accessible. Yeah, well, yeah, it has to be in the workbench. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have you done much with the building stuff outside of the initial tutorial, like building like structures? I have done a little bit of it. Man, it's obtuse. Is that completely uh, also? I, has that become like useful at all? Because it seems to be like it's in there, but it doesn't seem to have any practical use of uh, other than like I made the house. Well, they have a um, so each settlement 
In case you haven't learned, figured this out yet, listeners, if you haven't played Fallout 4, Fallout 4 has this robust settlement system where you have these home bases where there are these tactical advantages where you can, there are crafting benches there, um, uh, your companions go and chill out there, you can set people to farming so they can get food that you can use to craft or just eat, um, uh, but, uh, yeah, there, there, there are all these, um, what's the word I'm thinking of, uh, points, like, um, all these, uh, grades, these graded things that are at each settlement. They have to have a certain, this, for this many people, there's a, like, food level, water level, uh, energy level, defense level, and happiness yeah. level, and a beds level, because you have to have enough beds for everybody who's there. And the happiness level, it seems like, is affected by how pretty their place is, and do they sleep under a roof, or is it just like, you know, it, that seems to be impacted by the happiness rating. So, uh, you can't, I mean, on, I was looking at all this stuff, and it is crazy. I, I'm trying to find a small outpost to experiment with, because Sanctuary is so huge, yeah. but I could theoretically build walls around my whole compound and have just one gate, and then set up sensors on that gate, so that if anyone passes over it, alarms go off, and surround that by turret turrets and just make it like this hugely defensible location and like as soon as someone crosses over that sensor like lights go off all over the compound and, like sounds start going off and like all this crazy shit like it is surprisingly robust and the only benefit seems to be the happiness of your settlers though i don't know if at a later point in the game the happier they are like for you to use cuz i'm trying to figure out like how that, does that i don't know yeah cuz like i don't know other than just being cosmetic i the build, yeah, and again, they like they barely they, they don't explain that all any of that in the game. We're pretty much gonna have to find our ourselves by doing it and then talking to each other. Um, I don't know if settlers like will leave if they're unhappy, but it's very telling that all these questions that we're having, Bill, you can find the answers by googling because clearly everyone is just frantically googling this information because well, they're like, why the hell? Some of the stuff I've googled, it's other people. The only answers that come up are other people asking the same questions, and everyone else is essentially having the same debate. Like we're like, I'll I'll test this tomorrow night when I've got like my blah blah blah, or I hacked it to do this. I don't know if it does this in the real game, but I'm playing on PC and I did this. Um, yeah. Did you run the bases at Fenway? I have not yet. I heard a guard mention that, but I have not done it yet. Yeah, you have to haul... I, I, I spent 20 minutes trying to do it last night. It takes a while. You really have to haul ass, but you can do that. Um, <laughs> is is Diamond City the biggest city in the game? Because you said something happening happening in the like, middle of like downtown Boston. I don't know if like Diamond City is not like, the biggest... Like, I don't know. I, I assume uh, Diamond City was Diamond this, this, City like, megaton. is a major hub. Oh, okay. It's a major hub. I'd, I'd say it's probably the biggest city I've come across so far. Okay. Not too far from uh, Diamond City is Good Neighbor. Oh, uh, they just told me to go there because, oh yeah, because they want me to go rescue Valentine. Uh, Good Neighbor is uh, real good, <laughs> and I highly recommend going there. Fuck it. Okay, I love this game. I'm going to spoil a little bit. No, just okay, because, good, good, yeah. I don't know. There, there was a mission that you could unlock on... Uh, there's a series of missions, I should say, that you could unlock at uh, Good Neighbor with one character who asked you just to go pick up... It's a fetch quest. Yeah. He says, this item is in this place. Please go get it for me. And uh, you get it, and then you unlock this crazy series of quests using that item that are so satisfying. I've been streaming almost all of my Fallout because uh, my dear friend Jason asked if I would, and he's like, he's like, if you streamed Fallout, I would watch it like it's television. 
So pretty much any time I am playing Fallout, I'm streaming oh. it. My Twitch handle is Spinooty, S-P-I-N-O-O-T-I. Feel free to follow me if you're if you want to catch the um, the Rosa show. But um, I'm doing this, and I'm just doing this is I'm just enjoying this so much. I'm like this is this is a fetch quest, and there have been other fetch quests in the game that have ended in nothing. Whereas this unlocked this hilarious sequence of events that I'm really enjoying. And, and uh, it's just neighbor? there's, I'm so yeah. This came up in good to, like that'll be probably be the next thing I do tonight. Then yeah, you will meet a gentleman named Kent, and uh, do his mission because it's delightful. It's oh. delightful. It's um, just so good. There's just so much to this game. Like I have played this game for sixty hours, and I would guess that generously, generously, I have done a sixth. Of the stuff that is doable in this game. Have you... You've been to Vault 81, right? I'm trying to think. I've been to multiple vaults. Oh, really? I've been to, I think... Yeah. Vault 81, Vault, 81, vault right 95, and City. Vault The only reason I bring this up because I figure most people are going to see it because it's, like, literally, like, between, like, the Sanctuary and Diamond City. There's probably much designed for you to, like, have to run into it pretty early in the game. Um, yeah. Yeah. Diamond, Diamond City is the one where... It's the only vault I've ever seen in a Fallout game that actually seems to have worked properly, where everyone seems to be, everything's nice and clean and everyone's got their shit together. Have you not uncovered That's, the, the narrative? It's one of those things where I walked in there, I'm like, okay, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. There's got to be something like, I'm going to find out everyone's synths, they're fucking this, they're fucking <laughs> that, like, which I didn't Wait, find out about synths can... until later, although until actually just now, I just realized maybe that's their, ooh, oh. And, well, that's the other thing. So you go to Diamond City. Again, this is not a huge spoilers because this is essentially, like, what it, – it's laid out for no, this. No, if we're going to talk about – are we going to talk about Nick at all? Uh, Nick Valentine? I haven't even seen Nick yet. Okay, good. Okay, then, yes, continue. Um, continue. So, well, I go to Diamond – well, so, yeah. So you go to Diamond City and everyone's freaking out about synths. And that's the first time I realized – it never occurred to me there might be, like, replicants running around in, in, in this game. Mm-hmm. And then I was like – what if this is, like, some kind of misinformation campaign? Because the whole idea of synths is first brought up by Piper because she's trying to tell everyone that the mayor of Diamond City is a synth. And part of me, I was almost ready to kill Piper because I was thinking, oh, what the, 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 what's going to happen? You're going to find out Piper's a synth. And, like, maybe there's only, like, two or three synths in the whole world, but they're trying to fuck up the world by trying to, like, turn humanity against themselves. And I thought you were going to have to kill Piper that is that really the first time you heard about sense yeah no sir yeah well what, when i first started the game you know the, you walk out of the vault and they say go to diamond city and i was like i'm going the opposite direction to diamond city and i just wandered all sure. around the wasteland and i only got to diamond city last night well the reason why i ask and this is again why i fucking love fallout that you didn't even see this like god fallout god fuck like i literally left the vault and the first thing that happened to me in the world, because I just picked a direction and started going yeah. in it, the first thing that happened to me in the world was I saw two men in an altercation. One had a gun to the other's head. And I hear them talking a little bit, and it immediately weirded out because it's the same man. It's the exact same dude, both of them. I ran and into it turns something out, similar last night, but it wasn't the same scenario. Uh, it turns out that um, this guy is a farmer, and that fart, one of he? them... Bill, I can't remember. Let me okay. finish my story. I can't remember yeah. his name. Uh, you, uh, There are two of them, and you meet... Uh, one of them is a synth, and the other is a farmer. And it's this whole confrontation, and you ha- your moral choice in that moment is, do you just let 
the person who's in, like, kind of has the upper hand, do you let them kill this other person? Are they a synth? Is the person who has the upper hand a synth? Because it's that classic, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the real guy. No, I'm the real guy. But you can't, the person who's on their knees who has the lower hand, so to speak, um, uh, you uh you can use your persuade you can do a charisma check on him and uh i got him to confess yeah i'm a synth this guy is trying to kill me you have to save me and i'm like no fucking shoot the synth go ahead so that i, I literally the first one of the first things huh, that happened okay. to me in fallout was i had this whole context of synths are trying to I- infiltrate i've still the not seen confirmed synth take over yet. yeah i just ran into the whole concept I- of synths for the first time last night I was able to loot its corpse. <laughs> and, um, actually, one of my first ventures out, uh, out of Diamond City, I'm kind of wandering around outside of Diamond City. I got into a big fight. This is actually the same, the exact same uh, altercation that I got in where I ran into my first mutant uh, enemy. Like, I had a super mutant with a mutating dog that was attacking me that I wiped out with the, with the cryo gun. Um, these super mutants were attacking this guy named Art. And so I was trying to protect this guy named Art, but I realized in the middle of the fight, there's two Arts. And I thought it was the game-breaking, because oh. it's, again, it's one of those things where I've had enough bugs where I assumed that, like, like, like there must have been a raider that they mislabeled as Art. And so I actually cleared everything out, and it turns out they were both, like, one of them was a synth, but the other guy kills the... It was a whole thing. It was a story thing. Mm. I thought it was just a bug, but I was like, oh, no. So I'm still not quite sure if the last guy surviving was the human guy or a synth guy, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so something happened there. Yeah. And, but also, he said the thing had changed to take his face, though. Uh Uh-huh. Because it's entirely possible that wasn't a synth, because he made it sound more like it was a changeling thing, not just like a robot that looked like him. But he was saying it was like something that mutated to look like him. So I'm not quite sure what that story thread's, like, what that is. But it's funny, because, yeah, like, yeah, the first time through, and I got killed, and I did it again, and it kept on coming up two different arts in this fight, and I realized this is actually an intentional thing and not just, like, a mislabeling. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I I am really excited about this whole thing, because I have now learned that there's more than we know. There's more than meets the eye about this whole synth issue. Yeah. I'm really delighted about it. What do you think? How do you think? And not... How do you think the beginning compares to the Fallout 3? Like I said, I I think the, um, the core... The core conflict, like the core story, I think is much more compelling right off the bat, just from a motivating factor, to be avenging the death of your significant other and trying to save your child is so much more compelling. But on the other hand, like I said, it's much less intuitive to dicking around Mm -hmm. than just my dad's out there. I thought it was really interesting because they obviously, I I really preferred the beginning of this game because Fallout 3, you spend the first couple hours inside the vaults and that kind of dragged on after a while. They they introduce everything from like you know like you're you're born as a baby that's the first thing you do in the game and then they yeah, flash yeah. forward to like your twelfth birthday where your dad gives you a gun so they have the whole weapons tutorial and then like you get a little bit older and you take this the the the, the, yeah. the special test and it just, and you're, like then you're fighting the tunnel snakes so that's your first like melee thing and it was fine yeah. but I va- vastly prefer how this game just really st- literally starts with a bang and I love that like they throw you into the post apocalyptic world as fast as possible yeah. we'll still give you some context and i it's it's kind of silly because it, it, the storytelling kind of suffers at the beginning because it doesn't quite make quite much sense that vault tech has just finished building five minutes before the bombs drop just finished building a giant vault practically in your backyard just happen to knock on your door and say hey you want to be part of this vault so like it's just it's 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 so close that you can literally just run there. It's it's literally behind your own backyard where this whole vault is, 
And but it is great because once you get out of the vault after everything goes to hell, because your home is right there, that's going to be like 99% of the players. That's going to be the first place they go to. And that's a hell of yeah. a punch to actually kind of see what the world looked like before it got nuked and see what it looks like afterwards, which yeah. kind of gives like, more context for everything that's been lost in this world, which I thought was really yeah. interesting. And it makes sense because then they have a lot of, about a bunch of tutorial stuff with the people across yeah. the street. It's it's funny that your home base becomes your neighbor's house across the street from your old one. You're not like rebuilding your own home. home. You're just rebuilding the neighbor's house, the Smith's house. Um, but I thought that was very clever even though yeah, it doesn't make sense why your house would be so close to the vault but like that makes you that, that just gives you justification why that your house would be the first place you'd go to which was really creepy and yeah. extra fucked up um, I, like I mean, that. it's it, it's it's a nice solution to the classic, like you know, like there has to be a better term for it. But I always say, like for the Harry Pottering of the world, where it's like you're a wide-eyed innocent and you're experiencing this all for the first time, so you get to be a conduit for the to the player who is not familiar with this world necessarily. And it's just a really nice solution to it. And uh, I really just fucking fucking love this goddamn game. Yeah. I am having such a good time. What, I with still it. don't know what they would want with your baby, though. I was still kind of like, because it's not like you're special to or To be anything. continued. Well, here's the thing. So, um, every... <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk about things that make no sense, it's like, so every vault is a psychological experiment and study of some sort. And it doesn't really make a lot of sense that, okay, the world is going to end. Yeah, and it's like, really what was Vault-type's plan here? That we have hundreds and hundreds of social experiments going on with the last survivors of mankind. Like it's, I mean, and they're all, all of these experiments, I mean, you could say all these experiments will ultimately, I guess the idea is that there is a, an elite, an elite uh, class of people who are in these uber vaults. You can kind of assume that, but it's never really explicitly made clear it, within the game. I games. think it actually, I think it actually is. Maybe once or twice, but it's not one. like something that's really been built up in the mythos enough that like, that that's the obvious explanation to most people, but yeah. If it, once you explore, they talk about it some more in the vaults that you oh, find you do? in this oh, okay, game. in this I'll game? Just, okay, good. Because it, it's pretty clear that they're like all of these social. I mean, uh, there are some social experiments in the other vault games or in the other like in Fallout Three that are just dumb. Like, what if a vault is all women and one man, or what if or a vault versa, is all yeah. men is all puppets and one man, and, like <laughs> all that sort of dumb shit. Which I but, really um, contributes to the dark, stupid humor in these games. But yeah, from a world yeah. building perspective, it makes no fucking sense. Yeah, why would Vault X spend all this some... money, time and money, constructing all these vaults to like for these experiments that? Really, no one would really live to see, but yeah. Yeah. Um, it, but there are some words like, oh, no, we want a cure for this, or we want yeah, to yeah, discover yeah. that, or like, like basically how mankind um, min-max its way to survival, essentially. Is <laughs> well, that's what's so creepy about Vault 81 when you walk in there, and it's like, oh, this is the one vault in Fallout history that seems to actually work the way that you would hope a vault would work out. It's everyone's clean and happy and but- healthy. I immediately am like, why is everything like? Yeah. Why? What is the trick of this vault? And even then What's I was like, the here? overseer's got to be super horrible, <laughs> but no, the overseer's really nice. And I'm like, this is She's some great. fucked up's going Gwen. on here. Like everyone's made overseer of just Gwen. like walking roaches or something. Or uh, yeah, um, uh, fucking fall. Yeah, go to Good Neighbor if you can. It's, uh, Bill, I, I'm just saying, it's a fun place. It's not that much difficult. And uh, go and make sure you meet everybody in the hotel. Oh, okay. I'm just going to say okay. that. I'll leave that. I'll just drop that. And walk oh, away. man. So, yeah. That, okay. Fallout. I guess that's all over Fallout 4 talk. We're, we're going to have weeks to talk about this goddamn <laughs> game. But, like I said, no, I'm having a good time. I'm having a legitimately good time. But, yeah, like, yeah, it's just. I, I, I can bitch about yeah. bugs. But it's it's not like this oh, game's sure. even buggier than past 
Bethesda games. It's just this is the this is the game where I realized that like this is just the status quo from Fallout for for Bethesda games. They're big, beautiful. I don't think you can have a game. I don't think you can have a game that is thirty miles of explorable oh, places with open spaces and tight spaces where it's all yeah. super dialed in, dude. If you want to have a bug free experience, it's gonna be like one mile. Yeah. And a really dialed in one mile. Especially like Bloodborne it's like, or, like Dark Souls or something like that. Yeah. The the bigger the game, the harder it is to QA and the harder it is to all keep it together. So that's why I'm honestly astonished that I only hit three bugs. Yeah, that's really impressive. Like, I'm glad you almost only hit those hours. three bugs. Because you were like, if, if, so. if your game had been fucked up, man, oh, would have been talking you down. I have a really right robust... Now. I have a really robust saving policy, so I'm not too, yeah. uh, too um, But yeah, what else? Anything else been going on? Bill, I've been playing... I've been playing Fallout, like... Over time, I've done nothing but except the only for dancing to note, Missy Elliott, right? I was gonna say the only thing of note that happened this week, other than Fallout, is Missy Elliott dropped a new single. Song. I don't know she hadn't had what, like a music video in like eight years or something. It's been a long damn time. Well, when she showed up at the Super Bowl, I like got down on my knees and said, "Dear Lord, we don't talk as often as we once did." <laughs> yeah. Boy, howdy! I really hope that you can help <laughs> Missy bring a new album in the Aww. world. <laughs> And, uh, cause goddamn, I love Missy Elliott. And yeah, this new song, WTF, is good. It is some good, classic, booty-shaking Missy. And it makes me so happy. I was clapping in delight like a child. <laughs> it was so good. The music video is weird, though. It's another really nice, weird, specific Missy Elliott Halloween costume. We've got a couple of them there. It's not quite like the garbage, like the garbage bag fat suit with the, like, golden sunglasses, but it's pretty comparable. That disco ball outfit she wears... With like the disco hoodie and like the and like the and like disco the, uh, lipstick. the mirrored, yeah, the mirrored lipstick and everything. That was, like, I, that was more impressive to me than anything else, actually. Shit, yeah. Missy. And then it ends in a really surreal kind of weirdly morbid note where there's like these these cardboard boxes in a large sterile room filled with people who are wearing like things that look like like bags, like plastic bags. I'm like, are these meant to be like? bodies and back like what are you doing missy like this is kind of a grim note but who cares it's got a good beat and you can shake your booty to it and i love missy elliott so much she makes me so happy god <laughs> i feel so blessed to have, so does she have a whole new album out now it's not just a single with a video i think there's another album coming it's not out oh, yet okay. this is just the first single was that the last uh, super bowl new- like last january that she was that she performed I think so. Recently? Okay, yeah. Um, man, Missy Elliott. I still love the like the one the video where she's in the garbage bags, and the other one where she's dressed like Mega Man. Like she's fucking goddamn. But I just I love that this song is like is about dancing like an idiot when... and like giving you a little bit of shit for it. But like ultimately, it's like whatever. Let's just how you do it. Whatever, just dance. When Missy so, like, Elliott dies, you, can you imagine the video they're gonna put together for the wake? <laughs> It's all just like oh, no, 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 no. just oh fucking a. Missy Elliott will never die in my heart. Oh no, that's when oh, she like gosh. her shift body dies. She her body double, and she just continues. She just turns into a space being. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, oh, uh, did what? Did I ever freak out about the fifth element on the podcast? No. Uh, this week's uh, boy howdy, uh, not boy howdy, tardy the party episode that we uploaded this week was all about the fifth element. Do you like the fifth element? Yeah. 
I I am surprised at how much I like The Fifth Element. It's a fun movie. I feel like hating the fifth element is kind of like, though I I would not say that Jupiter Ascending is as good (laughs) as the fifth element. It's kind of like hating Jupiter Ascending. It's like, no, 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 no. This is just a fun sci-fi movie. Yeah, I I still want to sit down and see Jupiter Ascending, but I was really surprised how much I dug the fifth element. Yeah, if you go to Tardy the Party Podcast or TardyPodcast.com, you get to hear us, uh, me and uh, uh, Garvey Turtle talk about uh, the fifth element. But yeah, no, that is, I remember that movie came out right before The Phantom Menace came out maybe not right before within like the year or two but i remember being so hyped for star wars that the fifth element came out i thought that looks like some kind of stupid french bullshit fuck that shit but like there's been so much grim dark superhero science yeah fiction shit since like in the last 15 years since the the fifth element came out that to see a movie like this which is sci- science fiction and kind of fluffy and fun that is just fun. That it's just really, yeah. it's a breath of fresh air. It's fucking amazing. And the part that actually impressed me the most, I've always heard everyone, the whole gist of the movie got spoiled for me because everyone's always like, the fifth element is love. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Right, I knew right. that was going to be the punchline to the movie. But I do like the fact that when Lilu, um, she actually, like for a while there, she, she decides that humanity isn't worth saving, which I thought was kind of great too. Yep. It's not just like yeah. blind, like I have to save the world. I'm such a fae little space prince, space nope. princess. She's like, no, fuck she this. is many things. She is not fae. Yeah, <laughs> is not one Lilu. of them. And like fucking Mila Jovovich throws her fucking weight into that performance of Lilu. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we were. Uh, I was talking with Daniel about how I'm kind of bummed Lilu isn't the main character. There's no reason for uh, for uh, um, for Die Hard to be in that movie. But then we just, he pointed out that like it's like like it's sexy et where. He's he's the yeah, Elliot yeah. and Lilu's the E.T., yeah. so you kind of need, like, that insert yeah. character into that world. Yeah, I mean, it would be... I love Lilu, but it, she would be an awful protagonist. What are you to about? have your a protagonist who be, like... The whole movie going, <laughs> yeah, it would be awful. Awful. And also, I think it's really important that Bruce Willis is just another Bruce... I think that's part of the joke, yeah. is that Bruce Willis... Here's It's Bruce Willis as Bruce Willis. Yeah. <laughs> like, in this world around him that is otherwise so crazy, uh-huh. I think you need him is like that grounding element yeah. like to have that element of predictability so you can have all the crazy horse shit happen all around yeah him. i point out the only boring part of the movie is actually the like the uh, obligatory die hard action scene at the very end of the movie where like he's fighting off the bad guys on 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 the flying uh, treasure ship uh where like mm-hmm. the p- plot pretty much stops for 15 minutes just so we can shoot people uh it's not yeah. even terrible it's just kind of like the word like it's the softest spot in the movie it's it's it says a lot that that like has less to do with the plot than even the like the diva singing for 10 minutes um dude that's that's the di- no i'm saying that's great so it's one of the best parts good. of the movie well yeah they did yeah, such a good job just, with that scene that like that's kind of the heart of the movie practically whereas the gun shooting stuff is kind of like they kind of cut that out oh yeah i don't know so but one thing that I'm always amazed and impressed by in the fifth element is that there is not a single character that pops up on screen that isn't somehow or other intriguing yeah. that doesn't make you go, huh, you know? It's like, I think that that's like, if, if the best thing a sci-fi movie can do is have a character just casually show up and drift off and you wonder, where the hell are they going? Where the hell did they come from? Like, and you kind of want to, to some, you're intrigued a little bit about their arc. Cause they're, like, there's sometimes where, like, a character just, like, part of the reason why I always struggle with the fascination with Boba Fett is that Boba Fett is, like, stoic and quiet and mysterious, but there's nothing to him mm-hmm. other than that mysteriousness, so I never understood the mystique also around this, yeah. him. 
Yeah. Whereas in the fifth element, there's like crazy assholes everywhere and they all feel very lived in and like rounded out is not the right phrase because it's not to say they're not necessarily like two dimensional characters, but they're all so weirdly robust. The characters that have hooks. Just, like, even the smallest throwaway yeah. characters have hooks. So almost like a beats yeah. in a song. Like the, the yeah. fucking tweaker that tries to rob Bruce Willis at the very beginning of the movie, he's got a yeah. hat that is painted to look like the hallway. So when he opens the door, it's supposed to trick him. <laughs> yeah. Bruce Willis thinking he's just looking at the hallway. <laughs> just like fucking Ruby Rod. I should want to punch Ruby Rod oh, in the man. face. Ruby Rod's fucking hilarious. Ruby Rod is the greatest thing in the um, I can't believe that that movie exists is basically what it boils down yeah, to. Yeah, no. That, that, uh, the fifth element adds to the some goodness of the universe. I'm glad that thing exists. Yep. So I yep. well, don't do anything else. Um, looking up the show notes should be better at this by Bill, now. Bill, what do you have to say about Mystery Science Theater 3000? Just watch again from Kickstarter Party and watch a shitload of Mystery Science Theater 3000. We'll talk about more about that because they started Kickstarter this week. So, like, yeah, we can worry mm-hmm. about that later. But, uh, mm-hmm. tardythepartypodcast.com. No, wait, tardypodcast.com. <laughs> by the way. Whatever, who cares? So, of all our Fallout talk, here comes our bi-weekly McElroy Corner. Oh, um, that's the, the, that is the ultimate, yeah, the final Pam. The one of the so uh, the Mac we've talked extensively about how much we love um, Monster Factory, which is a video feature on Polygon.com where Justin and Griffin McElroy play <laughs> uh, video games and make grotesque characters. They made a some Fallout characters, and it's delightful. Which one did you? Prefer? It's a delightful experience. Uh, I voted. I, I actually was part of the brief Twitter poll, and I did vote for the lady. I voted like for I the admit. lady too. I called her Lady Totinos. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, you know, one of the things that kind of bothers me, and again, this is just me projecting onto things, it kind of bothers me that because the context of Fallout 4 is that you are in the pre-apocalypse, that you're just this regular Joe, that in the character creator, you can make a really fucked up rough looking face yeah! in this otherwise like genteel community. That's what and I, I just kind of sit here going... I'm just like, dude, this is before the apocalypse. Like, why would you be all jacked up raw with, like, a side cut pre-apocalypse? I, man, almost everyone I know online has created a beat-the-fuck brown lady. That's almost everyone I know playing is, is playing as. Like, like brown ladies, because it seems like everyone defaulted to kind of, like, the brown Indian-looking lady default. Uh, uh, character like preset character because like when you first start off the character creator they essentially like they give you eight all those presets, presets are so good yeah they're all really they're good very presets specific I was characters, shocked both for the male and the female um I was flabbergasted there's an older bearded guy that I kind of default made in my husband but I messed with him a little bit to kind of make him look extra like I came up with this backstory about how, like how he was like some kind of like humanitarian aid worker, so he spent a lot of time in the sun, so his face is kind of sun damaged. My character is all, but yeah, yeah, no, it's great because at the beginning, like I'm checking in on my baby, and my it's I'm a brown lady who's like fucking got like one scar here, one scar here, got black eye, broken nose, and it just makes nose. But you know, you're only gonna spend like literally like a minute and a half in a pre-apocalyptic world with that face. You're designing your character for the post. I know, but yeah, but it's like, why did she? drop a skillet on her face yeah, like why does she the like what happens back you never know <laughs> uh but yeah final pan uh, 
The final Pam is real good. Monster Factory. Once again, stop listening to our garbage podcast. Just watch more Pam Monster is the Factory. perfect name for that female preset with her, like, high water pants and everything like that. She looks like <laughs> Pam. Regardless of the face, just the body and the clothes. It's totally Pam. Yeah, she fucks up the neighbor's uh, barbecue. Man, oh my god. When they start fucking with the size shit in that. Oh. Oh, it's so good. Spoilers, but man, they get this. <laughs> They have a good time. Oh it's really good. God. And it's, you know what? You know what is one of my favorite things about Monster Factory? It's how much they have a good time. Yeah. No, like it's, just when Macro is having a good laughing. time, you're having a good time. It's, it's, yeah, they're not being self-indulgent. So they're good. just, oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Just oh, the voice boy. for Final Pam. <laughs> Hello, how are you doing, little baby? I, I shall fix the baby. It is too small. Anyway, yeah, this, it's not good radio for us to be talking about how much we like some other podcast or radio thing, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> Oh, my God. All right, friends. We're going to take a little break, and then we'll be back for the Geek Week in review. That's tardypodcast.com. <laughs> <laughs> I promise not to be insufferable. And just everyone seemed to really enjoy the Fifth Element episode. Bill, you cannot promise not to be insufferable. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> Shut it. What? Dance, then you're doing this. Um, how to do where you're from. Hey. Sticking up your tongue. A bunch of girls do it and the shit look fun That's how they do it with me from You know it don't start till one That's how they do it with me from well, we did t- play a little bit of Undertale this week, but it was obliterated I, by uh, Oh, this is the other thing I need JoJo just finished building us a steam machine Oh yeah? Yeah, so we can play all that shit now I mean, I, Undertale's on Mac, but now we're, like I can like maybe use a steam controller with that stuff Because I tried to use a steam controller with my Mac this week Because they updated the steam controller to, to now officially support the Mac And it still doesn't uh-huh. work for me um, mm. But Well, that was so nice I'm so glad he built y'all a steam box That's really cool so, I don't know That's Are really we cool. back now from break? Should this be podcast sure, talk? Uh, so Joshin, sure. he makes a living off of my housemate Joshin, who's you know, my friend Joshin. Um, he makes a living off of helping people with computer stuff, mostly Mac stuff, because that's what he, his experience is with. And um, but one of his customers this week, uh, to thank him for going above and beyond for uh, helping him on, on something, uh, just gave Jojo two giant uh, PC uh, towers. Uh, it turns out mm-hmm. they're like a decade old, so he really couldn't do anything with the guts, but he could use that. He decided, well, I'm going to take these. And turn them these uh, these into steam machines, one for me and one from Bill. Turns out one of them was completely dead, and the other one was still so underpowered he wound up replacing all the guts anyway. But yeah, no, he used that to build a steam machine off the cuff, like Tuesday night. He just came home with a giant box of like six hundred dollars worth of parts from the computer store, and within yeah, within a couple hours, he built himself a. Uh, a steam machine that like is actually and he didn't even actually end up using the big desktop chassis that he got from the client he just bought like a new chassis that was so he essentially made a shoebox that can run steam games sure that like we could just take right. up and downstairs between our, our our two rooms uh so yeah this week i should hopefully yeah be able to start playing uh fucking pc games and da, 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 are you uh is it does it have like the steam os on it so are you limited to only linux only uh, games no, he or built, like, a proper, it's got windows 10 like it's uh, i okay, mean i still cool. mean i mean it's 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 not a Steam machine, but it's essentially it's just well, no, no, no. Just that's Steam better. Games. You're less limited because yeah. Steam OS is Linux, so you can only play games that are Linux. You may as well just be only playing games that are on Mac. Yeah, it's funny because so. like Joe's just been hearing how I've been contemplating getting a, getting a Steam machine all like pretty much since they announced the Steam machines like two years ago. And it's funny that on a whim he was just like, ah, fuck it, I'll just build one. And the other thing too is watching that's him cute. try to build that thing. He had enough problems that like if he had problems, uh-huh. there was no way in hell I was going to build a Steam uh-huh. machine. 
Like, because, I mean, there, there wasn't that much in the way of components, but, like, he was having some very basic pro. Like, I wouldn't even know until, like, ground the machine not to destroy it beforehand. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. basic stuff. And then there's just other tech stuff that he had to look up and he couldn't quite figure out. And he's a guy who's, like, used to tearing apart computers and rebuilding them. And, and he even he admitted, he was like, man, yeah, you would have had a rough time with this. Yeah, so. Uh, but, yeah, no, that's up and working. Actually, as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to grab uh, the Steam controller, run upstairs, and we're going to try it out for the first time. He's playing Mass Effect 1 on, on PC Aww. for the first time upstairs, so. Um, oh, that's cute. Which is funny because yeah, friend of the podcast Dylan McConus is also playing Mass Effect One for the first time yeah, right now. She is. Uh, ha- yeah, how do you see that? Well, we had talked about it last time we hung out, and she sent me a screenshot of her her femship. Oh yeah, because so last night she hit me up because she, she was freaking out because so she's finally playing Mass Effect One on a PlayStation Three that I gave her, and she's having the hardest time with the thumbs twin thumbstick controls because she's used to only oh, PC buddy. stuff. Only com- yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I told her, I was like, well, you yeah. come over to my house on Friday. We can play the Mass Effect PC version on the Steam machine together. And so we can see if, like, it's any better, like, you know, while you're playing Mass Effect on your MacBook or, like, on your PlayStation 3, I can be sitting here trying to play Mass Effect 1 on a PC so we could both be, like, flailing together. I don't know. It's a whole thing. Yeah, so, anyway. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to learn to use a controller. It took me a long time. I have to admit. I was telling her Mass Effect One should be a pretty easy game to learn twin stick controls because I I was remembering that the whole game starts you off in the Citadel. I forgot that there's the whole mission on Eden Prime. They throw you into combat, Uh and the first thing you do in that game, and that's what was Uh throwing her for a loop was that like that's the combat tutorial is live right there, like the first thing you do, and you go to the Citadel for a while after that. And I was like, oh shit, I fucked that up. But yeah, yeah, so it's a, I mean, shooters are hard. They're hard. Mm -hmm. And it's something we forget. You really forget that there is a basic, like, and even playing on a PC, doing WASD and mouse is also a huge thing. Like watching my mom, I tried, my mom played a little bit of Gone Home and she played both with the controller and we tried with the keyboard and it's, they're both obtuse Mm -hmm. and it's, you always forget about that language barrier in, uh, in video games and how it is a language you have to build. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, and so I'm excited you got a Steam box, my friend. I'm excited about you and all the cheap piece, uh, Steam games that are in your yeah, future. Yeah, Joe shouldn't even point out that, like, it's, the, the, the Steam box that he built is so light and so small, Dylan can take it with her. And she, she wanted to borrow it to, like, try to play Mass Effect by herself at her house, like, on an actual, the way that she might, would be more used to it, like, she could. So, we'll see what happens, mm-hmm, but. Mm-hmm. The, the, we got Dylan comes playing Mass Effect, which that, even if she, did, like, only <laughs> plays five minutes of it, that's still something. That's, that's, yeah, that's a good thing. So, friends, believe it or not, this is the portion of our podcast that we call The Geek Week in Review, where Bill has written down news from the week that was, and I am reading them, and often learning these things for the first time. So, first off, uh, the 2015 Game Award nominees were announced. This is, of course, the now-independent uh, offshoot of the, I can't remember, the VGA yeah, the VGAs, Awards that's what it was, that Spike yeah. used to do. Uh, Jeff Keighley, isn't that his name? Yeah. Uh, that uh, uh, is now running as an independent event. I guess it's going to be online uh, only this year. There's, it's just going to be streaming. Yeah, the, the, which makes sense. That's how I watched it last year. No, it wasn't on TV at all last year. Was it was last it? year? It wasn't. No, it was 100% streaming last year, too. Because okay. that was the whole thing is that Spike, uh, or excuse me, the uh, owners of G4 don't, yeah, it's not, it's not on, it's all yeah, online. Yeah, which I remember only. them saying yeah. that, like, oh, yeah, now we don't have to worry about, like, like kowtowing to Spike TV or anything anymore. It still didn't necessarily make the awards any better, but I don't know. I mean, it's still a, a grunge, a, crun- a crunchy awards well, show, but most of it's usually a time when they talk. We we see reveals of new. That's games and the stuff, big which thing is the because most exciting well, part. people keep on 
positioning this as being the Oscars of video games, which I still continue to kick back against because the whole point of the Oscars is that it's people within the industry voting on stuff. It's essentially the people make... Uh, with the Oscars, it's people who make movies voting on the awards to who should get these awards. With the v with the, the video game awards, it's just like reviewers. There's a couple industry people involved, but it's mostly external. It's not actually... You don't have like the... Like you don't have... Like, the guy who, who made the rocks in Fallout 4 voting on any of this stuff. It's, like, fucking... It's Jeff Keighley and some of his other reviewer buddies and maybe, like, Hideo Kojima and a couple guys from Valve. But it's not... You don't have the entire industry coming together to, to, uh, together to vote on their peers. Which, that's the whole point you can of also, the weight of the Oscars. That is true, but, Bill, if you spend even, like, half an hour reading about the, the people behind the Oscars judging, it's not like they're people who have the pulse oh, on the Oh, I'm not saying the industry. Oscars are ideal, but the, I, at least the idea of the Oscars is more in line with what an award sure. should really be when you're... It sounds like giving an award by your peers. That's what any any real award should be. But... But, on the other hand, like, you read this a lot when you look into, for example, like, uh, if you read it all about the animated, like, the best animated film thing, which is a relatively new thing, and then you read into, like, like there have been a lot of things where, like, people... So it's, like, some dude who, like, did Foley work in the yeah, 80s know, and is now, yeah. like, retired in Tampa, and he, like, gets the thing where he's like, I don't know, these seven movies? My grandkid liked this one. I don't know. Yeah. Here we go. Sure. But there's a reason why, like, the GDC awards tend to carry more weight with developers than most oh, sure. other stuff i mean other stuff is better from a marketing perspective but the gdc awards are it's actually like oh yeah the, the programmers are oh, actually sure. this like the best program game or something like that but yeah but also who gives a shit about awards you'd be surprised in an industry when you like both like, oh no 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 i'm not saying that like it's not without value it's like of course it, it's another marketing thing and it's an attaboy for having done good work but for you and i yeah. as people who play video games the yeah. i i think the only benefit of awards is getting shining light on things that maybe don't get much attention yeah. and have been missed out on like that's cool but like the idea of of the phantom pain winning an award doesn't really get me excited considering it's like it's a phantom pain everybody knows about the phantom pain everybody knows it's a pretty good game you know, mm -hmm. it's like attaboying successful known things is not super it is interesting kind of to point. Me. There's not more like it is game of the year nominees are all just like it's Bloodborne, Fallout 4, Metal Gear, Super Mario Maker and The Witcher 3. Uh, yeah, it's a little disappointing. There's Those are hell of things to compare to each other. Yeah, too. Like, yeah, it's. All, f all five of those games are just this like, yeah. How do you compare like Mario Maker to like Fallout 4? Yeah, it's it's. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't envy anybody in that position. Those are all good you know? games. I've played them all. I still can't believe how much I... I, oh, I can't believe I sunk so much goddamn time into Metal Gear. Uh, <laughs> Bill, of those of those five games, which would you say man, is the best game? I mean, you? Metal Gear is the game I put the most time into. Super Mario yeah. Maker is probably the most interesting just from just as a thing. Right, um, right. Fallout 4, obviously, it's, I don't know, it's really rough. Bloodborne was fucking fantastic. Witcher 3 is pretty good, but didn't, like, keep its hooks into me. I don't know. It's kind of a... They're all good games. I'm. It's a good yeah. year of gaming that all those games came out this year. Let's put... that. That's my yeah. attitude. Um, yeah. The best game of the year is... Rocket League. Because <laughs> now you can play... You're not the only person to say that, my friend. There's a DLC where you can play as the DeLorean from Back to the Future... That makes it the best <laughs> game of the year. Um, yeah, I don't know if we want to go break down everything on here, but... Uh, stuff. 
Um, uh, it's interesting to see best independent game. I think this is kind of a cool list just because it speaks to how robust and varied indie games are uh-huh. uh, right now. So we have Axiom Verge, Her Story, Her on there. Ori and the Blind Forest, nah, fuck Ori. Rocket League, and Undertale. Ugh. I need, like, need to play a, Undertale. I keep on hearing people rave about that. I I just downloaded Undertale recently, and I've put maybe like three hours into it. I would be curious to hear what you think. I want to play Undertale. that this week. Between because, Bouts and Star uh, Wars. As uh, as much as I'm enjoying it, and I think it's very clever, the things that it's doing, because I don't have a connection to that sort of game, I feel like some of its tricks and hooks are bouncing off of me a little bit. Because yeah. I didn't play a lot of like those 8-bit turn-based RPGs. Not to say that I think that familiarity is needed, but it's definitely explicitly riffing off that. Um, but also, on the other hand, I think it may be... I wonder if you will like the humor, or if you'll think it's too... Yeah, that's a razor's twee. edge there, there with me, depending on how, yeah. Yeah, I'll be curious to hear your reaction um, to Undertale. It's interesting, the best... But it does some cool shit that I've seen so far. Yeah. Uh, best mobile game? There's only one 3DS game on there. It's Monster Hunter 4. Everything else is just, like, actual, like, you know, like phone stuff. Including Fallout yeah. Shelter. Yeah. Um, yeah, Fallout Shelter. I've Which played, is just can you I imagine? Like when all said and done, if, if I will put more time into Fallout Shelter than Fallout Four, if that's going to turn out to be true, <laughs> that's going to be fucking sad. That doesn't say anything about Fallout Four <laughs> as much as like how much blind time I put into Fallout fucking Fallout Shelter. Uh, best narrative: uh, Her story, Life is Strange. Uh, which one is Life is Strange? Life is Strange is that dumb shit Hella game. Hella, you know the Hella teens on the Oregon coast. Oh, the time rewinding stuff. Yeah, oh, Ashley Birch. That... Oh, did you? Oh, Ashley Birch. Birch plays I pretty... four different characters in Fallout Four. I was gonna say I ran into a character in Fallout Four yesterday. I'm like, that's Ashley Birch. I also ran into Garrus a couple of times. Oh, really? It's, it's, oh no, it's tripping oh, me up. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, best narrative. Life is strange. Tales from the Borderlands. Which man, that is I'm snowballing. Really more and that. more people. Like you were the first person I saw freaking out about how good the story is in the game. That's snowballing. Like NeoGaf, people keep on going. That's the secret best story of the game of the year. Blah 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 yep. blah blah. Um. What else? Uh, yeah, also The Witcher 3 and Until Dawn. Un- man, uh, they're Until all nominated Dawn? For that, was, that was a fun game. I would not say that's the best narrative of any... It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dumb well, horror movie. Well, here's the thing. So what I find interesting about all these nominees is that they are none of them different. Uh, none of them the same. Yeah. Except you could say that generally Life is Strange and Tales from the Borderlands are both, and to some degree even Until Dawn, are episodic genre riffs yeah. like they're all like riffing on very particular genres in in specific ways well, her story is kind of similar her too, story, that's a crime story yeah but it's all the narrative the way the, the narrative way it's told is yeah well, if you're just talking is, about the narrative versus much... how the narrative is told yeah yeah and then witcher is apparently has a really good story but it's more of a straightforward <laughs> if you ever actually get around to beating it yeah man i will never play now that fallout 4 is gone i, I can't believe i bought that game that's full where fallout price. 4 got a nomination for best score soundtrack i wonder if by by soundtrack they also include the the licensed tunes or if that's just like the score score i don't know if you've ever turned off your pit boy and just listened to the music of the world i, did, I, didn't care for music. It, I, I appreciate that it sounded kind of slightly skyrimy but i turned it i just turned the music off after a while there have been some moments where it's been just real. There are a few pieces on that score that are really hmm. good and just really nicely, like, kind of reinforce that melancholy in that moment. I think it is the best score of any Fallout game, in my opinion. Um, best. Um, that's cool. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, best performance Ashley Birch as Chloe Price in Life is Strange. 
uh, Laura Croft from Rise of the Tomb Raider, Geralt from The Witcher, Joker from Batman, and the main lady from Her Story. Um, man, mm-hmm. Ashley Burke, yeah. she's actually yeah, blowing up these days. She's cray-cray. Um, it's so hard for me to judge the narrative and the performances in Life is Strange because it's like, how do I separate it from that clunker dialogue? There's one or two people I've heard, like, I guess Life is Strange just wrapped up like two weeks ago and people were like, yeah, it's a devastating story. Now that the story is wrapped up, that I'm kind of vaguely interesting. I mean, I bought the whole season past. I need I to finish it. Fuck. Like I said, I got as far as that character telling me to kill her, and I'm like, fuck you, video game. You did not earn this emotional beat, and I'm not going to give it to you. And I just pieced out. It's the first time ever the story in a game has made me stop playing it. I've I've muscled through lots of things I object to, but that was one thing where I was like, you go to hell. As someone who struggled with suicide as a teenager, I'm like, this is not a fun or good time. Mm. And I, uh... Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's just interesting. I don't know how you again. How do you compare how these do you compare things? In, here in the PC ghetto? You have games for change. Uh, Sibel, I've never heard of before. Her story, Life is Strange, Sunset, and Undertale. I guess is this is they're like so indie that we have to like I don't know games for change. I don't. I don't know if it's it's Sibley. I don't know. It's um. It. I can't remember having heard it on loud. It's by Nina Freeman, who is one of the uh, now one of the um, level designers at uh, Fulbright, working on Tacoma. Okay. It's um. It's a uh. It's kind of interesting because it is a narrative game where you play a young woman who is playing an MMO. And um, uh, kind of developing her first relationship ever with someone online. And what's fascinating is that uh, it's about her, like, losing her virginity and all these other things. But Nina Freeman, who is the developer, is also, like, the character... Like, she uses pictures of herself and, like, is based... It's it's pretty much like an... It's obviously slightly fictionalized, but it's largely autobiographical. It's an autobiographical game, huh? It's so like there's some almost FMV elements to it, but there's also like this MMO element to it, and it's like how developing relationships online and stuff. And I'm really intrigued by it, and I bought it, and I don't think I will ever play it, <laughs> <laughs> just because I'm like that is so intimate that I find it, and also so familiar because I was a young woman like developing relationships online with people through video games in a moment of time when I was very lonely and isolated that. It's, uh, I don't know if I can ever, it's too real and raw for me to play, mm. but, uh, I'm intrigued by it and I'm glad that it exists. Um, best role-playing game. But, uh. Bloodborne? I was gonna talk a little more about okay. Yeah, Bloodborne is technically a role-playing I mean, game. How no, would you call like it? Actual, if, if that, I mean, that's a role-playing game, then Zelda's a role-playing game, because it's an action game where you're just putting, like, like points into stats and stuff. Although I guess that really doesn't I mean, make that's... that much different from, like, Mass Effect. Um, yeah, I mean that's what an RPG is at the end. Of, I mean, most people view an RPG as something where there are yeah. you are choosing where to improve and change, develop, and yeah. like that's why they t- when they talk about that shit and like Call of Duty and stuff, they're like, oh yeah, look at these RPG elements. In, uh, like, yeah. Also for best RPG, Fallout Four, Pillars of Eternity, Witcher Three, and Undertale. Glad to see Undertale's making <sighs> enough of an impact that's like in multiple categories in this thing. And I'm trying to see yeah. if there's anything else uh, super interesting on here. Maybe not. I mean, uh, is there anything more in telling of, like, the current state of video games than this tiny, kickstarted $10 RPG? Is that Undertale? Is in, yeah, is in the oh, runnings okay. right next to... And, and Pillars of Eternity is actually also a kickstarted game. Oh, that's a good point, Is yeah. in the runnings with uh, Witcher, Fallout, and Bloodborne. There's a whole that's, bunch of crazy. 
categories on here too, like best team, best player. Um, yeah, these are things that are less less uh, that we have language trending to, uh... gamer. Christ. Um, well, they had some things that. Well, dude, that is the modern. That's I, that's video just games in 2015. Get some of those guys to show up on the award stage so people tune in. There's like trending gamer. Um, well, dude, what is if Bill? If you you cannot talk about video games in the year 2015 without talking about esports and and streamers, yeah, like that is yeah. a huge part. I I we recently had a friend visit from Chicago, and she she's a gamer, but she does not play games. She watches streams. Like there are huge swaths of people well, where that's how they experience I'm video sure games. That's these legitimate. Days. It just seems like the only reason, like, get to give an award for someone who's like, like, what's the award criteria? I'm assuming that's like, like, like a voted on for by fans. But if not, then like, well, yeah, yeah, this what's... is one of the fan awards. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. This... That one and best fan creation, and I think the esports stuff are all I think fan. fan um, and also most anticipated game, which that's extra, just kind of silly, but yeah. Horizon <laughs> Wait, Zero what's, Dawn. What's up for most? That guy looked good. Yeah. No Man's Sky, Quantum Break, Last Guardian, Last Guardian. I like <laughs> wasn't, uh, it, was, it could have won most anticipated game for like the last eight years. Yeah, and also, <laughs> I, for, I forgot Uncharted Four coming out. Mm-hmm. It coming. Yeah. You hear that distant oh, thunder crack games. on the horizon? That's the sound of Nathan Drake coming for you. So we'll find out on December 3rd who are the winners. And uh, Man, hopefully, I, yeah, I'm most excited just to see all the new shit I'm we can talk about. I'm looking forward for when Unchar- our conversation when Uncharted 4 comes out. I'm like, I'm going to be like, eh, it's another fuck, Uncharted I game. I am You're not. Like, fuck you, Bill. God. If you open like you just did with Fallout 4, we are like, meh, And then it's like, craters any enthusiasm I have. I'm really, yeah, it's going to be just like our chat on Uncharted 3, which I also had a real good time with. It'll be real good. Mm. Real good. There's a difference between criticism and pissing on someone's party. No, my there's sometimes there's an actual like when I just state a fact. It's not even an opinion. When I say something's broken, I'm not like you know. You can ap- there can be things that are broken. Absolutely, I'm and, I'm, saying, I, and I really I, I am where I tend to be a little cynical and you tend to be a little in love with things. Let, well, let's no, I'm, I'm not saying here. it's yeah exactly. But which I'm just saying I it is hard. I don't think it is difficult to have a conversation around my enthusiasm. It could be sometimes tricky to have a, a conversation around uh, your cynicism. But I will say this: if a game is broken, I can understand. That is a pretty. That is a pretty. I mean, that's a, that's a big ding, and I'm not discarding that at all. But anyway, um, so yeah, the game awards December third. We'll see how it all shakes out. Um, Bill's next note in the Geek Week in Review is, Sony is finally killing the Betamax? What? Yeah, so I guess they're still making Betamax tapes. This is a format that Are I think it's older than kidding? VHS. Yeah, it is. It debuted in like 1975, and literally this is the 40th anniversary of Betamax. Um, I guess Sony continued to produce Betamax playing machines up until 2002. And... They've still been only in Japan, but they've still been selling Betamax tapes in Japan all the way okay, up until. Okay, I was gonna say, and even they're they're still selling it now. They're not discontinuing until next spring, which is fucking crazy. Who the hell's buying Betamax tapes? But well, it's it's interesting. It's like a cultural thing. That's fascinating, yeah. actually. I well, I mean, I guess if you're if you're into old analog technology, I mean, that's the whole point of Betamax was that it was a superior format to VHS. So I'm wondering if there's people who just like have like videotape collections, and because Betamax is supposed to be the better audiovisual stuff, maybe that's just a very niche, very frou frou thing. And I guess they were spending enough money to justify Sony hanging on to this format for 
like the last decade. I mean, and if half. there's an audience, why not do it? Yeah, you know, so, I, it's, it's like with vinyl. It's crazy to think they were still manufacturing brand new Betamax machines all the way up until two thousand and two. Man, my family for the longest time when I grew up. We we were pretty much almost Betamax exclusive until Betamax fell apart as a format. Like, uh, whenever I watched Star Wars or Raiders of the Lost Ark as a kid, we just had, like, we just taped off of HBO or, like, the free Disney channel free preview over the weekend. That's we, we, that's how, like, I watched Tron was on a Betamax tape we taped off. It was of all on Betamax? That's so good. Yeah, so, yeah, it was good times. Um, so, yeah, that's Betamax. Uh, I was looking at a, uh, um... Uh, Foley's birthday is coming up, and she wants to start getting a little bit into vinyl because she's kind of an audio hound. And on top of that, there is something around the ritual of replacing an LP and everything yeah. that is very ritualistic. And so I was looking at, I was looking for out al- these albums that she wanted on these niche like dist- label websites or anything like that. They're still selling cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. I was aghast. I'm like, but if there's an audience there, why not? I think uh, so I, I've read a couple places that cassettes have actually gotten a boost in popularity ever since they put the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack out, not audio tape, because that's what they listen, like, like what's a Star Lord listens to a tape of that. And so, yeah, uh-huh. I mean, it makes more sense because audio tape is like newer. Cassette tapes are a little bit newer than Betamax, but yeah, it's still interesting. But it's, know. it's still crazy. Why it's crazy to think that. Some punk bands have continued to put out tapes just because they're goofballs, yeah. like audio cassettes. But it's funny to think that it's actually becoming a little more popular again with, like, yeah. Um, I was hanging out with a friend of mine, and she has an old beater truck that's actually her dad's beater truck. It was a beater truck when he bought it, but it's still pu- it's still putting along, and that's actually how we drove down to the rodeo. And it has a cassette player in it, and she had all these tapes that I presumed were just mixtapes that she had played but no, because they have all these hand-drawn covers and everything like that. But no, she had gone to like some label shop, in, some record shop in town where they make and sell mixtapes for three bucks a piece. There are all these various themed like mixtapes. Like she got one that she was listening to that was like like um, sad soul from the sixties. <laughs> I was thinking, like, I love that this exists. Like that, cause I would not even think to buy. A record player. I would never think to buy a cassette pay- player in the year 2015. It's weird to think that the in in our in in our cases it is kind of a not to say a luxury item, but it is a very specific sort of collector's item. Whereas I presume in Japan it was just that there was enough of an entrenched yeah. market for it. I can't imagine that it was a niche thing. That it was that it's just like people have Betamax players and they buy tapes for them. So why not? Kind of surprised at how you can get. It seems like you can get a pretty decently reviewed uh, kind of a portable vinyl player on Amazon for like fifty bucks if you wanted to. They're not bad. Yeah, the one I'm getting for Foley is like ninety bucks. That's not bad. No, yeah. seriously, for like such yeah. a relatively ancient technology. Um, it's because all the cool kids are really into it right now, my friend. That's, vinyls uh, do sound good. Know. It's I'm kind of curious to see how good vinyl sounds if you like like if you have it on a record player but pump through like a really modern, robust sound system. Because uh, yeah. I, like I grew up listening to vinyl on little tinny speakers built into the record player, and so in my memory, I always think of like vinyl sounding very small and very tinny, but like. I know, you know, vinyls, like, that's the why everyone's clung on to vinyl, because it's supposed to have a warmer, more lush sound. But, yeah, if you take that and actually run it through, like, modern stereo, like, speakers and surround sound speakers, oh, yeah, that would be really interesting to hear. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Joel Hodgson launch, launched a $2 million Kickstarter for Mystery Science Theater 3000. Woo! So I guess he's been working on this for two years, at least. 
Um, he said for years he's been uh, people have pitched him on ideas of fake Mystery Science Theater 3000 revivals, essentially. Essentially trying to do Mystery Science Theater 3000, but without the name. I guess the, the name Mystery Science Theater 3000 got tangled up in some kind of legal stuff uh, ever since it went off the air like 15 years ago. Uh, but yeah, no, he got the rights to Mystery Science Theater 3000 back. He's going to try to launch a new series. Uh, he's not going to be the star. He wants uh, to get a whole new cast. Uh, although he's uh, sent out an open invitation to everyone who's ever worked on Mystery Science Theater, Th Th Theater 3000 to come back to work as, you know, either like writers or performers or puppeteers or whatever. And uh, got a fofo there. Hey, a fofo. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's really interesting. It's uh, he is needs a minimum of two million dollars to create. Was it three episodes? And he's shooting for uh, I think it's five and a half million to create a whole new season of 12 episodes. And it's mm -hmm. interesting because when he launched the Kickstarter, he didn't have a lot of details about what's going on other than he just wants to bring back the show and the number of episodes he wants to create because a lot of people have a lot of questions as to who's going to be involved because there's been a ton of people involved sure. in this show, uh, both behind this, uh, the cameras and in front of it. And he, uh, a couple days after the Kickstarter started, he had to come out and say, you know what, I'm not quite sure who's going to be involved because... Um, some of the old people were on MST3K, they're, uh, they didn't get paid quite as much as they should have, so I'd like to be able to pay them back and also create more of an incentive for them to come back to be part of this show. And But he did specifically says he wants to have a new host and new mad scientists. Um, it sounds like they're going to try to bring back Crow and... Uh, Crow... Uh, who's the... It's Crow and Servo. Uh, I guess they would have new puppeteers, maybe? Servo. Uh, yeah. yeah, and so it'll be interesting to see what kind of mix of old and new this turns out to be. Um, mm -hmm. Part of my thing is if they can't get back many of the old people, and it's going to be all new people, you almost kind of like, like, you could still call it Mystery Science Theater 3000, but why not just have, like, new robots and stuff? If you're going to have, like, new host and new other characters, you could just kind of start over from scratch. I mean, it could still take place in that same continuity. I'm mean, not that continuity in Mystery Science Theater 3000 match uh, uh, is, is that essential or anything, but I don't know. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, supposedly, I read somewhere that he's been talking to Felicia Day to play the mad scientist this time. <laughs> uh, which that could be very cute, uh, especially since I was in an elevator once with a, with her at PAX, and so I could say I was with I hung out with Felicia Day for a minute <laughs> and a half before she became big, before she became a mad scientist in the Mystery Science Theater 3000. Um, yeah, this is kind of an interesting interesting thing because we've had we've seen time and again on Kickstarter where we have old beloved creators bring something beloved back to life, yeah. but this is kind of an interesting instance where he is kind of been ambiguous about what it will be beyond the fact that it's going to be more MST3K. Yeah. And MST3K has had a few different faces over its exactly, life. Exactly, yeah. Like, they've had different hosts, they've had different villains and everything like that, And uh, but everybody, almost every MST3K fan has a very crisp and particular vision of what it is. Yeah, Daniel recorded Even, not to bring up Tardy of the Party podcast every fucking five seconds, <laughs> but we recorded a Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode yesterday he got very angry at me because I kept on talking about how Joel is my favorite and that like era of the show was my, yeah. not that I besmirched because there are a lot of Mystery Science Theater 3000 fans out there when they made the transition to Joel to Mike we're all like, fuck, fuck Mike, it's all about Joel. I was never one of those people, but I do prefer my, my I'm most nostalgic for the Joel era, but I, like I don't hate on the mic stuff, or some people do. Yeah, and now switching to essentially a yeah. third generation of the show, 
There's yeah. plenty of opportunity for people to be like, well, they didn't bring back. It's still, Crow sounds stupid. He sounds even dumber than he did last time they changed his voice, which that's kind of part of the play thing I was complaining about yesterday. But at a certain point, you have to let go and, like, realize, whatever. And that's the one thing Joel Hodgson has been very much saying, that, like, I would like to get yeah. as many new people as invested as possible. Yeah. Because if this is going to continue, it needs new voices. It needs new people invested in this. Like, it can't just be the same old guys just doing the same old things. And also, he pointed out, like, there's no way you could recapture what they had. Even if they no. did bring back everybody playing the same parts again and everything, like, from, like, literally, like, 20, 25 years ago, you can't, you can't go home again that way. You have to move yeah. forward a little bit. And, um... It's been interesting because there's, like, kind of two, two parts to that. Like, one, it's nice that he is openly acknowledging that and saying that while raising this money, because that's kind of a ballsy thing to say, hey, your beloved thing that we're making, we're not making that. We're gonna make something a little different yeah. that's gonna have this core flavor that you know, but it can't be that same thing. That's a kind of a gutsy thing to say when you're asking people to fund yeah. it. Um, Especially based on that nostalgia. A couple million, because everyone assumed that, like, if you're going to bring about Mr. Science Theater 3000, it'd be super cheap. In fact, I've seen some people say, well, why is he asking for $2 million when he first created this show, like, in his garage for free? Why does he need $2 million now? And, like, he actually had to come up with a big budget and break down, like, this is how much we're going to spend yeah. on licensing fees to get, the, to get the movies that we need. This is how much we need to create sets. And, like, he was like, especially yeah. if we're going to do 12 episodes, like, this is how much we yeah. need to pay. Like, this 12, like, even $5 million can get sucked up pretty fast, even when you're just doing a Cowtown yeah. puppet show like this. And yeah, for the millionth time, people don't realize how much it costs to make things. Even something as rinky-dink as Mystery Science Theater 3000, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And it is interesting because really, it really is the final note that he came out with this week. I'm sure we'll get more to updates and stuff. He really is just waiting to see how much money he can get from the Kickstarter and then he'll approach different people because he can't really offer make make concrete offers to anybody yet until he gets knows how much money he has and how what kind of budget he's working with and then he can go back to sure. either new people or old people and say hey i could offer you this much money to do to to work on this for this many episodes and right. so yeah so it really is i'll be interesting to see what happens it could turn out to be terrible but uh i am man so there's a like Thinking about new people who could be, like, the host of a Mystery Science Theater 3000, I got my heart set. It's never going to happen. Have you ever seen the Nostalgia Chick? You've talked about her extensively, but I'm not, I'm not familiar I with I follow her. her online. Her name is Lindsay Ellis, and she's really smart and funny, and she started tweeting up a storm about how much she loves Mystery Science Theater 3000 yesterday, and she was talking about some of the people she would hope would try to throw their hat in the ring to become a part of the show. And I was like, well, you're cool. Why did you throw your hat in the ring? Because, like, especially for, like, the host of Mystery Science Theater 3000, you want somebody who can write, is good in front of a camera is kind of like YouTube, not that they have to be a YouTube star, but yeah. they have to be, you almost kind of want to hire somebody who actually has experience with like kind of like creating videos and stuff anyway, even if they're yeah. not in charge of creating the, sh the show, but like you would almost want to like find someone who's already kind of like a little bit of a known YouTube star or something like that. Someone who's young yeah. and savvy and I don't know. Exactly. Like the core, the core things that make a YouTube personality successful are pretty important for uh, MST3K because you have to have a certain amount of charisma and charm. Yeah. You know, you have to, the only thing that obviously is missing there is that you know you don't necessarily. It's not necessarily clear how good you bounce off of other people. And the core of MST3K is not just the host, but it's the host and the robots yeah. that they're interacting and it's funny with. Too, and, half of YouTube is Mystery Science Theater 3000 right now too. So yeah. 
technically should be that yeah. hard to find a host because like well that the kind of nostalgia chick and the nostalgia what the nostalgia critic their jobs are just to like watch old stuff and make fun of it and so they're already kind of used to that so it seems like they would be kind of the first go-to people you might want to look at in terms of like potential hosts i don't know we'll, we'll see it ha- i don't know they, they may just like pick a random la comedian to be uh, the host or the mad scientist. But it's funny that, like, even Joel Hodgson came out and said, we're looking for a new host and new mad scientist. So they're sticking with the formula of a yeah. host being tortured by evil mad scientist who's in control. I don't know. So right. We'll see. But, ah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's cute. I think, I think that, that the thesis right off the bat is we need it to be a fresh MSD3K for a fresh audience is a good one and a smart one to that's, do. Yeah, that's one of I'm the smartest cur- things he can say, yeah. In terms of just realistic, pragmatic, yeah, not bullshit. It's, yeah, so... Yeah, Joel what's been really interesting what's been interesting is that um uh he's also been pretty transparent about the fact that um he's not 100 percent certain if the people who used to be involved with msc3k would even want to because there was some degree of bad blood with how things kind of worked out yeah. which was an interesting thing to say out loud because it's kind of been an open secret that um you know there have been some people who left msc3k left because they were unhappy mm-hmm. and like you know, that there's always been this question of who received credit or financial recompense for what. Yeah. I mean, Joel himself left uh, because he just didn't want to, like, he didn't want, he, he just liked Mystery Science Theater 3000 just being, like, the stupid little puppet show. And when his producer mm-hmm. was like, no, we should try to get this on MTV. We should try to make a movie out of this. He was all like, no, I just want to just little puppet. It's fine just to make fun, fun of movies. We don't have to turn this into a media empire. And so he kind of walked. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, everyone, I mean, everyone involved with Ministry Science Theater three thousand sounds cool. But yeah, you have that many people work on a project and have some like some frayed nerves a little bit and stuff. So it'll be, yeah, it'll be cool to see how this shakes out. But yeah, it's not yeah. nearly as interesting. I'll though, be curious to see the other big news of the week. What it? Well, I was just about to say, what is their digital distribution plan? That's the only thing I haven't really read about. Uh, that's a uh, good question. Oh, I've already jumped away from the, the the kickstarter page that's okay my yeah my only question and it's just like if if they really want it to be open to a new audience they can't put it behind a paywall because the only people who are going to buy mst3k are going to be people who know about mst3k yeah, unless so i wonder if they could, would just put it up on youtube for free but maybe sell blu-rays with like extra special features or something like that and that's how they act, like make i money. mean in a perfect world that's how they do it but i don't i mean that's a whole other world of rights yeah. like you have to get the rights to this thing mm-hmm. to have streaming rights as well which is a whole other bag of bag of it's bananas, interesting. i wonder so how, what kind of research he's had to done do into this because even before you started kickstarter as vaguely kind of termed as this yeah you still have to like anticipate like okay rights to old movies like this are going to be a lot more complicated than they were like back in the 90s when he was do- still mm-hmm. working on mystery science theater 3000 and i don't know yeah oh, hmm. that's a good question i didn't even yeah, think a, about a that bad part. movie that's lost in a, in a trash can forever mm-hmm. is a lot easier to say hey we're gonna put this on cable 20 years ago as opposed to now when there's this context for this sort of like goofing on old shit and like that that uh almost every shitty old movie is up for stream on netflix and amazon so those rights are already mm. you know tangled up it's like what it, it seems a lot more complicated than it ever well, was and before. some people have also pointed out too that like there's could be some issues with him and some of the old cast members because all the old cast members seem to have gone on and done their own like mr science theater 3000 projects style projects like yeah they're at least like two yeah. yeah and stuff like that so everyone like there's already been like oh are you gonna take the rift tracks guys down no he's just like no i think mystery science theory 3000 like the new version of it could also just coexist along with other projects by the old 
cast members. It's not like it has to be an either yeah. or thing. Like we're not trying to take money out of Rift Tracks' mouth. We're just I don't know. Just and hopefully they would want to work on this too. Maybe they could work on both projects. Who knows? But I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, the best thing a Kickstarter can be is a is a spin-off or riff and not a sequel. Because, yeah. like, it's just so much expectation to have. Like, fans have so much ownership over of a thing anyway, much less when you give them a sense of, phys- like, actual monetary ownership yeah. that it just becomes so much more complex. Like, like that's one of the reasons why I'm so impressed that Double Fine was like, we're going to make a new adventure game like you remember versus trying to raise money for a sequel because that's so much of a bolder like it was like no 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 we're gonna shake off the past we're gonna make something yeah, fresh that is bit, familiar yeah. to you because it's like because man they have to if they're just like yeah we're gonna bring back mike and the robots then in like five years it's gonna be like oh it wasn't as good as before and i can't believe they didn't listen to my feedback and blah 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 right. they have to start something new and new and fresh so mm. good on them for approaching it with that perspective for only $10,000, you can become a producer on the film and actually be there as they film. <laughs> I'm... With all my spare $10,000 exactly, that I'm not yeah. in the process of spending um, on my house, but no, I'm seriously, sure. Uh... The biggest news of the week, the greatest news, the most important thing that happened this week. The inside of the Lego Ghostbusters <laughs> firehouse was revealed. And, Bill notes, man. Holy shit. This is what is it? Three hundred fifty. I keep on. I keep on thinking it's quote unquote yeah. only two fifty. It's actually three fifty. Yeah. On this podcast, we Bill had remarked, "How the hell can it be so much money?" And now looking at these pictures, that is how it's it can actually be so much filled money. with a lot of stuff. This this is a big. This is one of the biggest sets that I've ever produced in terms of like just the sheer size and like all the little details and stuff. You have a three story. Uh, guts of the inside, you've got, like, the first story is the parking garage and uh, the Venkman office with uh, with uh, Janine's desk. Uh, stairwell that goes upstairs, there's a... Oh, it's like... Is it like the little kitchenette? Yeah, there's, like, the, where the Ghostbusters eat yeah. Chinese food, and then there's, like, a little... Like, with the little Ghostbusters arcade game! Oh, I didn't even notice that! Yeah, yeah it's, it's got, like, a little Stay Puft Marshmallow really on there, yeah! Oh, man, the design of the bedroom, the beds in the bedroom is actually really Yeah, they cute. look like this little, you know what, they kind of look like little Twinkies. I wonder if that's like a... They do. Yeah. Oh, and there's like a and little there's bathroom. there's like a little bathroom. Oh, and then the third this story. This is some good shit. Yeah, it's pool table, like like a diametric, like the like where they like test uh, people to see if they're uh, possessed and like a little coffee thing set up. Oh man, it's fucking cute as balls. Oh man, and the and the pole, the the, fire the fireman's yeah. pole down is it's... really cute. They actually have a little a little thing on there where you actually can have your dudes drop down the pole. Yeah, oh man, this is some cute yeah, shit. There's a lot of this is some cute. And shit. And supposedly, yeah, like the the Ecto one will fit inside the garage on the first floor, so you can like yeah, it's yeah, it's. God damn it. This is a really nice set. Like, I give... I do not have the emotional attachment to Ghostbusters that you do, but even I am like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's... That's pretty damn Well, there's, cool. like... Like, unless you've watched the old Ghostbusters movies over and over again, like, you wouldn't even notice, but there's, like, a whole bunch of, like, little nods to, like, the original films. Like, there's, like, like part of, like... I can't remember which part, but what part of it turns into, like, a little... Uh, photo developing lab, like, from Ghostbusters 2, and just, like, just, like, little mm-hmm. stupid stuff. It's just, yeah... Um, on the, uh, the diagnostic station up on the third floor, um, on one of the more closer up, uh, photos of it, you can see on the background, there's like a little monitor that has a picture of like, uh, what the, the, uh, the monster that Rick Moranis is being possessed by and just like little details oh, yeah. like that, like little sticker things. You're gonna have to stick on stuff, but still it's like fucking, I don't know. 
It is pretty it's goddamn cute. cool. It is actually, if a Lego set can be worth $350, that's pretty goddamn close to it being it. Oof. Yeah. Oof. You're not wrong, my friend. Oof. Oh my God goodness. Damn. That is cute That's as one hell. of those things where oh, I'm going to hate myself if I buy it, and I'm going to hate myself if I don't buy it. It's one of those things like, yeah, fucking, I- ugh. <laughs> Although if I hate if I hate myself and not buy it, at least that's hating myself and I still have three hundred fifty dollars left in my bank account. Like that's maybe the preferred thing. We'll see. I will just observe this. You know me. I am always going to be the voice of frugality or some degree. Or excuse me, I'm trying to become. I'm, yeah. Well, no, I'm trying to become be more the voice people. of frugality. Yeah. But I'll, I'll try to. You know, I try to be very rational about this sort of stuff. I will merely observe this. This is going to be a highly contested item, and I guarantee you, come February, when it is sold out, it will be significantly more than three hundred fifty dollars, oh, my friend. That's true. That's true. So if I if I don't buy it, then I'm not gonna. Oh uh, yeah. Let's assume an impl- inflation of at least twenty five percent on this guy, <sighs> if not fifty percent. <laughs> yeah, mate. We'll see. Like, think I got of the fucking haunted mansion, my friend. Yeah. Like three hundred fifty. But the only thing that gives me pause is like, who gives a crap? Six hundred dollars is just as inaccessible as three hundred fifty dollars. So I was you know originally. I mean? So okay. So originally for my birthday, my fortieth birthday is coming up in a couple of weeks. And originally I was thinking about going to Disneyland, but that didn't pan out. Uh, a because of one thing, I busted up my knee. The other thing was. Um, Oh, I waited too late to buy tickets because it would have been like a three thousand yeah. dollar hotel room. But when I started looking at tickets, like the prices, it would, like a three thousand dollar trip to Disneyland would have turned into a six thousand dollar trip. And it was one of those things between that and not having kind yeah. of funky knee. I was like, man, this ain't gonna work out this year. Uh, and so I was thinking about to make up for that, like maybe I'll go out to the coast or go go up to Timberline Lodge. I think you're the one may have mentioned actually like going out like somewhere for my birthday instead. Like if I don't take a trip mm-hmm. to Disneyland, I could still take a local trip. And I was like, going up to Timberland Lodge, oh, that'd be awesome. Like, you know, December, it's all snowy, it's all great. That's like six or $700 minimum just for the hotel room for a weekend. Yeah, the Timberland Lodge, I love it, but it's, because it, I, I, I've also thought about the same thing, just going there to be yeah. there, because it's just beautiful space. I will say this, it is expensive as hell, and there's not much to do there if you're not an outdoors well, person. Thing, that was like a 350 bucks. I could spend $350 and, like, spend a month playing video games for that, like, half as much of that. Or I could buy, like, two mm-hmm. Lego, like, Ghostbusters Firehouse it's for a weekend where I'd just be sitting there kind of wishing I was home playing video games, playing Fallout. And so, mm-hmm. I don't know. I have to figure out what I'm doing. But, like, it's one of those things where, like, it'd be, yeah. And granted, I'm going up. It's, it's December. It's skiing time. It's kind of the worst time of the year to think about, oh, let's take a trip up to the Timberline Lodge. But... Yeah, it's funny how it was... Well, even yeah. then, I was like, well, for 750 bucks, I could buy a hell of a steam machine. I don't have to worry about that now, because JoJo just, just built one, although I'm going to throw him some cash for that. But it's funny that, like, how, like, mm-hmm. yeah, treating myself, I turned into, like, well, technically, I'm treating myself all year round, because all I do is buy myself garbage, but, yeah, I don't know, mm-hmm. so we'll see. But, yeah, fucking treating yourself mm-hmm. can be hard! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway. Uh, I'm really glad I didn't treat myself to a recliner, because, you know... Been rough. I have. See, that's what I could have bought you recliner instead of going up to fucking. I just, I just spent. It's funny though now because now I'm thinking in terms of how many recliners something costs. I just bought two recliners worth of skylights. Uh, so how much was a recliner? <laughs> like seven hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah. See, yeah. it's like a man. So what I do, I buy you recliner and I come over and use it sometimes. Nope. <laughs> also, uh, did you know? Dylan just uh, texted me to let me know that her uh, wife, Katie, has just made a black lady shepherd with a blonde buzz cut. So they're yeah! both playing Mass Effect now. Oh, that's <laughs> great. That's really great. That's a fun game to play with your partner. Yeah. I can see Even if you're experience. just doing the character creation stuff. 
Gem and the Holograms, and to a slightly lesser extent, the Steve Jobs movie, were pulled from theaters just two weeks after they debuted, which is unheard of for two wide-release, 2,000-plus screened studio movies. Yeah, Steve Jobs Oh, I didn't know playing... that the Steve Jobs movie was pulled, pulled yeah, too. Yeah, Steve Jobs is still playing in a handful of theaters, but... Uh, it started off small, the, like, it was one of those things where they did the limited release and then blew it up to, like, 2,000 theaters, but now it's back to, like, a dozen theaters. But they essentially mm. pulled it from wide circulation, whereas Gem and the Holograms was pulled completely. They just said, fine, fuck it, no one is sitting in these theaters. These, the like, yeah. So when movies debut, most mainstream uh, movie theater chains, they're obligated to uh, a two-week commitment for any film, and so pretty much every film every goddamn theater in the country after they showed after like yeah after uh uh showing uh i can't even speak right now jim and the holograms for two weeks they, they just sent everything back so much that the studio just said fine send them all back we're just pulling the movie from theaters fuck it this is a failed experiment we'll we'll hopefully people will buy it on dvd wow so wow that's intense yeah i think they fortunately for i think it's universal because they were talking about how this is not the biggest blow because universal has like the biggest successful year because they had fast and the fury 7 and with jurassic world and they've made more money this year than i think any other studio has ever made in the history of hollywood so losing mm-hmm. a couple million million dollars on this tiny gem in the holograms movie doesn't matter it doesn't matter that much to them but the fact that they only spent like like a dollar fifty on this movie anyway to make it kind of like is kind of justifies why it kind of bombed in the first place. Well, see, I think it's kind of funny that you mentioned that and the Steve Jobs movie in the same breath because the the and just like Steve Jobs is an aside because Steve Jobs is like it's Danny Boyle who did a bunch of really mm-hmm. profitable movies and like prestigious movies and written by Aaron Sorkin. You know, and it's kind of like they're trying to get that Facebook movie magic. Mm-hmm. And uh, with Michael Fassbender and Kate Winslet in there, and it just, I think, to it ha- for it to have sunk. I think with the Steve Jobs thing, I think everyone's tired of hearing about Steve Jobs, and then also Fassbender yeah. doesn't look anything like Steve Jobs, so it, like, it's kind of double <laughs> removed from everyone's interests. Um, I still can't believe they made a gem in a holograms movie where there's no holograms. That's the basic <laughs> thing. Come on, man. Star Wars, made 40 years ago, had holograms. How do you have a? I have no emotional commitment to. Neither uh, I, but even then, you think you the movie is called this. If you have Chuck E. Cheese and there's no mouse and there's no cheese, you don't make a mo- Chuck E. Cheese movie that does not have Chuck E. Cheese. You know, come on, you know. It's like if you had a. What, what's the movie about people eating each other? Ravenous. If no one gets hungry Ravenous. in the movie, then what the fuck's the point of the movie? <laughs> Yeah, man, I forgot that they're making Assassin's Creed movie. I clicked on oh, it because I was looking at that Michael is coming out. I, I keep MVP. on thinking that is not going to next December. What? And next December? Next Dece- I was going to say if it comes out this December, man, like the marketing fucked up. Yeah. But yeah, what are they? Do they? How? How? It's yep. Because yep. Like the, there's, I mean, there's a complicated plot for the video games that they ditched like two video games in. Well. I mean, and on the face of it, it's really easy because the core conceit of, of, of Assassin's Creed is modern day person uses computer to access memories of any point in time of a genetic they, relative. Do they stick with the idea that, like, we're trying to figure out past memories because we're trying to figure out why humanity was created by aliens? Like, are they going to stick with but, that? Well, A, like... That's not the core conceit of Assassin's Creed. The core conceit is that they want to go back in time to reveal objects of power. Well, that's what I'm saying. But or, like, and you can in the Assassin's you can Creed even universe, tweak that like that's like, where the power we, came from. It came from aliens that made people. 
Well, but that doesn't, I mean, you don't, you don't have to do that. You can just ditch it. Cause that, that, the core conceit of, I want to go back in time so I can find things is a compelling thing in of itself. Like they, whether they keep everything, I mean, who gives a shit about any other aspect of it? It's really just an excuse to have a time traveling, uh, uh, tour guide, Forrest Gump through time. I'm curious to see when, what moment in time they're going to go back to is my question. Yeah. yeah Cause, Cause they uh, said all they know it's Fassbender and he's got like the Assassin's Creed gear on, but. Would they have the balls his, to go his, back his, to, like, his... Jerusalem? I mean... It says he's going... Oh, wait, no. Uh, 15th century Spain. Oh, really? Yep. Had they... That's wait, so 15th century... Oh, okay, so we're going to see something we've never... So I wonder if it will tie into the game continuity. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Who gives a Who shit? Who gives a shit? <laughs> Fucking Christ. Uh, man, what name a name a video game movie that tied into the franchise? Uh, like it's just like, who gives a shit? I still haven't seen. I I I, I, uh, I still haven't seen Prince of Persia yet. Jake Gyllenhaal is so bad. It, who it does not tie into the. I'm still franchise angry with Prince Jake Gyllenhaal over source code. God damn. Uh, the New York Times suggested that some theaters may spend up to $80,000 a piece to present The Hateful Eight in the best possible 70mm presentation between renting the right projectors, extroid Panavision projection screens, and installing new sound systems just for yeah, the Yeah, I don't know why sound systems, you need new sound systems for this. Maybe they want to buff up their sound systems, but yeah, so I guess you can rent extra wide Panavision screens for projecting this stuff onto, and yeah, a lot of people, a lot of places are renting. If they don't already own a 7mm, 70mm projector they're they're renting them now just for this one movie so that is a lot of money to spend on one film yeah how much money did the hollywood need just to like renovate its entire theater was that like (sighs) like was that like fifty thousand dollars um oh no 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 it was significantly more than that i would say it was a couple of oh really which i I was gonna say that makes more sense and they had private oh i called them up this week to be all like I heard you guys got new seats. Do you have new seats at every theater? Because those old seats hurt my butt. And the guy emailed me back. He's like, yeah, I'm a big guy too. Those seats suck balls. Well, you're welcome back anytime. <laughs> it's comfortable in every theater. Go crazy. Because um, I was kind of thinking about going. Because I haven't been back to the uh, the Holly. Uh, here in Portland, Oregon, one of our older theaters is called the Hollywood. And up until a couple years ago, they had 70-year-old seats from like the silent era. And the last time I was there, Annie was and I rough. went to go see, what was it, the sweat box? Or the documentary about yeah, how the, Disney, like, yeah, it was it was the documentary about the like the second golden age of Disney animation, like yeah, the Little Mermaid and stuff like that. And it was a fun time, but like the tiny little seats on my giant butt squeezed into that like spam. Oh, that oh that was no fun. But yeah, they replaced all the seats yeah. since then. So gonna go see the hateful eight, bah, 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 maybe. F- <laughs> After I'm tired of seeing Star Wars see, 18 times. Dun, 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 dun. Did you see the um, the action figures, the Hateful Eight action figures? What? Is that a real thing? Yeah, uh, NECA is coming out with a line <laughs> of all, you can get all eight of them. Uh, it's pretty I ridiculous. will buy the hell out of any Jennifer Jason Lee action figure. Even if it's, That's, if it's, I was looking at it thinking of that. I was thinking of Jennifer Jason Lee for you, and then I have some friends who really love Walter Scroggins because of his uh, stuff in Justified. And I'm like, I should get the set and just break it up for y'all. <laughs> um, do you ever want to check out and Justified? I I think I gave what I was the one who gave it to you. I I have justified. I just haven't watched it all. I bought the first couple of seasons. Oh, I've got the whole season now. So, or I got the and whole it's on Amazon now. Prime. What's that? So, and it's on Amazon Prime. Oh, okay, it's beautiful. It's but thank you for offering. Okay, I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I keep meaning. We watched like the first four episodes and then got distracted by that's something exactly else. What happened to me? And I gave it to. 
I gave it to some friends who then became obsessed with it. So I need to get back to it. I have the it. box set now that comes with the flask. So I gotta start drinking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that worked out real well for me, I Bill. Know, exactly. Highly recommend starting drinking the late. The first thing I picked no, up in Fallout 4 was a bottle of bourbon. Super well. And I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Andy's gonna have a fun time with this. It was crazy to think that when Fallout 3 came out, I wasn't really drinking at all. Yeah, I know. Much less as an alcoholic. Yeah, you've had a bell curve it's, it's over the last decade, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Oh, Fallout 4, Fallout 3 came out, like, better part of 10 years ago. I mean, I mean yeah. that is time to have, start an addiction and try to end it, so. Larry Kazdan is leaving Star Wars again once he's done with the Han Solo script. Yeah. Um, he had a press conference this week where he had a punching dummy shaped like George Lucas that he punched while he read his, his, his speech about leaving Star Wars again. It was really weird. I know what that joke means and alludes to because I'm as well versed in the history of Star Wars as you are. <laughs> no, I just that's that that is actually not even born in or couched in Star Wars mythos. That's just me just saying <laughs> shit. Um, no, I mean if you're gonna have dude show up, write something, and leave, you want it to be the Han Solo. Yeah, movie. well, people were hoping that he would stick around and be like the new scribe of Star Wars and write all the Star <laughs> Wars movies. And he really did just come out and say, "Yeah, no, Disney just paid me a metric." fuck ton of money to write two star wars movies i did that now i'm taking my money and now i'm going home and he good for essentially him just earned himself a retirement check um good for yeah, him so if you can do um, it do it yeah he's getting out of there i forgot i keep on thinking uh, phil lord and chris miller they're doing the han solo movie i keep on forgetting they're not writing it they're directing it but yeah Lawrence, larry kasdan wrote it but that's extra crazy. Uh, so yeah, he's getting out while the getting is good, which good for him. Uh, yeah. So those dudes are good directors. Like this is this is shaping up to be the Star Wars movie I'm almost most excited yeah. about because that's a fucking good pedigree right there. Um, Star Wars creature shop lead Neil Scanlan has hinted at a statement on the plastic soccer ball's gender of choice, saying in an Entertainment Weekly interview, BB-8 was female in our eyes, and then she became male. Yeah, people pointed out, so both J.J. Abrams and the producer, uh, Kathleen Kennedy, had both referred to BB-8 as being female a couple times when they first unveiled the robot. And that's now been switched to most people referring to it to as, as male. And so, yeah, the guy who was in charge of building it yeah, just kind of had an interview this week where he's just like, yeah, no, it's supposed to be female, but I can't say anything. But, like, yeah, now it's male. So I don't know if it's like the word came down from Disney saying, hey, we need <laughs> the robot guy. You're going to need to have a dick. We can't, we can't have no gay little lady robot. I don't know what happened there. But the fact that, like, the gender of this robot is contention, which also people pointed out. Why should, why are these robots gendered anyway? But I mean, R two D two and three PO were gendered as male, so I guess you kind of have to keep that up from a world building perspective. I guess I don't know, but it's kind of a bummer because it would have been cool if BB eight's a lady. I'll call her Lady Eight. Gender, gender's construct, and we're all. Why, why by does three PO so. have to be like? Oh no, I hate dudes. I love lady robots. <laughs> It's really important that I know which, uh, yeah. And while we're talking about this, Dylan is continuing to tweet at me. Uh, her and her wife's experience is playing Mass Effect. They're both having problems with the controller. Uh, Katie is now uh, stuck in tar- targeting mode saying, I hate this. This is stupid. Uh, yeah, they, <laughs> they're having a good time with that start of Mass Effect. Video games are not easy to non-gamers it's uh, crazy bless them particularly unimpressed with the tragic death of jenkins i'm assuming jenkins must be one yeah. of your cohorts leroy jenkins leroy. yeah i remember is that at the beginning it of opens Mass with leroy jenkins that's one of the first things that happens it's a leroy jenkins joke 
Christ yeah. Almighty. That's how this series fucking starts. Oh, Leroy what Jenkins a joke. fucking blimp fucking beginning. Oh. Bill, video games are art. Yeah, I try to tell Dylan, like, if you just if you just like sacrifice thirty hours of your time to get to, like the second game, which is really good. Yeah. Oof. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, Bill embeds in our show notes uh, the poster for The Witch, which is still on track for a 226 release date here in the States. That's good. Describe the poster, because you're affluent. The poster uh, is The Witch. Uh, the W in which is two Vs. It all looks like re- the oldie script, like in a yeah, newspaper sort of thing, or like in a book. Uh, and it says, A New England Folk Tale. And it says, Evil takes many forms, and there is a uh, crow at the bottom of it. <laughs> Crow is about to lo- mutate into a legendary form. Oh, okay, um, cool. Yeah, everything just the, it's the a, surface it's a great look little of this poster. movie has been great. So we'll see. We'll see if man, I will cool. not. I don't think I could. I cannot see this movie. I can't watch scary movies. I just can't do it. And this movie really looks like it would affect. Me. I'll see it. and I'll tell you all it. about our boy Howdy. I'll come back with a report. But this happened. And, and then, <laughs> hey, everybody! And it's then me. Die Hard fell down the well. And then driving Miss Daisy, <laughs> he shows up. And he got a gun. <laughs> And he points it at Sanford and Son. And Sanford says, no, fuck you. And then he turns into a wolf. That's it. The next note in the Geek Creek and Review is also a visual. It is a screenshot from <laughs> Brad Neely's Twitter where he had said, this is the title of my new show. And it is a screenshot of a whiteboard that says, Brad Neely's Hargnolin Sclopio Pipio. No, yeah, Pipio, yeah. Hargnolin Sclopio Pipio. And he had to keep on tweeting at people because everyone's like, well, you're not kidding. You're fucking around with it, right? He's like, no, I'm serious. This is it. We're like, we've registered the copyright. <laughs> so, yeah, so Brad, so I guess China, Illinois ended. And so he came out, he said he was going to have a new TV show called TV Sucks. And he said the network didn't like that. So he had to change it to something else. So I guess he just chose the most random bunch of fucking letters in the world. Um, Brad Neely. I God like that bless guy. Brad Neely. Yeah. He's a good dude. And uh, next note, uh, one thing that came out of Nintendo Direct this week was Linkle, a kind of gender-swapped female Link that will be in the next, what the fuck is it called? Bill didn't write this down, so I don't remember. What is it? Heroes of... It's, well, it's, it's a 3DS LaGuardia. port of, like, the Zelda Heroes game where you're just, like, running around smashing stuff. It's, it's, it's the Dynasty Warriors I didn't Warriors think it was important. I thought Zelda it was a sequel. Stuff. Yeah. Oh, let, Warriors of Hyrule. That's what it's yeah. called. I thought it was a straight up sequel, just but on oh DS. no, it's just kind of no. It's 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 the same game. Um, actually, I don't know if that that Linkle character is going to be playable. I think that may be a three D three DS uh uh specific character. I don't even think that's coming to the actual yeah. um like to the to the original Wii version too. But yeah, so instead of just like. Well, a lot of people are suspecting that the link for the new console game that's coming out next year, like the next actual "quote unquote" real Zelda game, is a lady because she looks like. I mean, granted, Link's always been kind of super androgynous and feminine anyway, <laughs> and so Link mm-hmm. looks a little more, even more androgynous than usual. And people have pointed out that like Link is an androgynous name; it's not like a gendered name. So Link could be male, female; doesn't really matter. Uh, so there's no reason why they couldn't just change. Especially Link is a different character in, in almost all the different games. So there's no reason why Link couldn't change gender. Not change gender, but there could be different gendered Links throughout like Hyrule yeah. history. And I would say I would be much more impressed by that than this. Yeah, like, which I that's saw, why a lot like, of people were disappointed that they like they came out and said it's female Link, but her name is Linkle, and she's got like little pants on. It's like 
No. I don't object to her design or anything like that. I think that's fine and cute. I object that she is going to be one character of like 8,000 characters because that's how this game works in this 3DS only title. You know, it's like, it. I'd be, I will be much more impressed if they did something like, if they made a female Link in the Wii U game. That would impress me. Yeah. This is cute. But I, the most notable thing about this is just how much my timeline on Twitter just blew up about Linkle. Having a great really, old time Really, Linkle? Linkle? Yeah, I'm surprised it wasn't more about Cloud being in Smash Brothers. Everybody was like, yes. Uh, mo- uh, yeah, I think it's, I think this is the gulf between your timeline just and my timeline. Just the name, though. Everything else aside, the politics and everything, just the fucking Link? Linkle? <laughs> like, really? That's the best you can come up with? Little Link. Oh, I get God, it. yeah. No, Mubo de Fumber. I would like. I, mean, to fear, I want them to come out with a male Link. version of Metroid, except he's super tiny and effeminate, and then, like, I'm Metroidal! Metroidal! How you doing? <laughs> Wait. A female version of Metroid isn't isn't Samus Aran. No, I'm talking woman? about. Did I say female? I meant to say male. But like, oh, okay. he's super small and tiny, and like, <laughs> he's like, Hoody! he's essentially Tingle from the Zelda games, except now he's dressed like uh, Samus Aran. That I would also kind of be impressed by, just because it's nice to do something different with gender for That's once, what as saying. opposed to having the expected gender norms. That's why I'd be kind of okay with more androgynous, more feminine Link being a man too. Is that, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, really that's right, nice right, to right, show right, there's right, more right. than just the expected gender uh, moments. Mm. That's You're stuff. not wrong. You're not wrong. But having said that, I would be really impressed with Nintendo if they have a, a, a Lady Link in the Wii U game. That would be really cool. That would be cool. Katie's update uh, you- is now, oh my god, fucking A, stupid. Why, also, why are we crouching? <laughs> They're having a hard time with the controls in that Mass Effect. Hey, Bill, did you know that Japan's newest version of Godzilla, debuting next summer in the first Japanese Godzilla movie in over a decade, will supposedly be even bigger than the latest American version of Godzilla, and the last original Godzilla was only, Bill notes, 50 meters tall, then doubled in size in the 80s and 90s, and the last American version was 150 meters tall. Yeah, so, like, I guess maybe this new Godzilla's gonna be, like, 200 meters tall, which is, what, 600 feet? That's, like, almost as tall as the Washington Monument. That's fucking That's crazy. Big. That's crazy. I do love that Toho has to come out and be all like, yeah, they they, they did an okay Godzilla, but our oh, Godzilla is going to be even bigger. Fuck that guy. Because <laughs> they made the, like, the new Godzilla in that American movie like fucking crazy huge. Like to the yeah. point where like it is literally taller than any building and like it, it encounters. It's like ridiculously large. And the fact that like that you're, yeah, ah, it's, 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 it's funny that like there's a little bit, there's a size war. Like, the size queen shit going on between Godzilla's right now is ridiculous. Okay, Bill, I have to ask. Uh, we do the Geek Week interview in a shared Google Doc, and uh, Bill has a lot of bunch of notes, oh, no. notes in the bottom of the document. But below all the <laughs> this stuff, you have a bunch of bulleted, you have lists, bulleted lists of Star Wars characters. Uh-huh. Oh, this including is real- memorable people like Bandage Guy <laughs> and Biker Scout. <laughs> This is, for a, butt mouth. this is for a private sex thing I was going to do later. <laughs> yeah, Devil Guy, Rancor Keeper, Porkins. <laughs> um, I was vaguely thinking, because everyone loved my Halloween Twitter icon so much, oh, I yeah. was kind of vaguely thinking for December, maybe having a different Star Wars character for every day of the month. Oh, wow. And I was wow. trying, to, like, trying to think, like, like, are there 31 Star Wars characters that anyone would even recognize? And so this is me just trying yeah. to, like, I don't know. I'll, 
That's yeah. not a problem. I was kind of vaguely thinking about, like, I don't know how to make my fat Totoro guy look like Luke Skywalker. Do I just put a little blonde wig <laughs> on him? Like, what do you do? Yeah. Like, Jabba's yeah. going to be easy. He's blonde wig, and he holds up, and he has a, a robo hands. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah that'd be cool. So, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Or no hand, and just, like, blood spurting out. <laughs> exactly. Like, totally you can do stuff that. like that. Uh, but then oh, I have to do boy. one offer, because I still do holidays. Like, actually, it would only be 30 Star Wars characters, and then at least one, like, like you know, Santa Claus for Christmas. We'll see. But. Do do the Lego route and have a Santa Claus Darth Vader, just like oh, Lego God. does. Oh, just oh. like in your in your Christmas Advent calendar. Have you seen Bill. any of the new stuff? Like they keep on putting out like new Star Wars trailers on TV now and stuff all the time. No, I'm trying to go radio silent. Man, with Star it's Wars. That's I what have to do occasional Star Wars episodes with other people. This week, <laughs> I officially hit my thing where I've stopped watching because like. Uh, like, J.J. Abrams came out and said they're not, there's not going to be any more theatrical trailers, but, like, the TV shows trailers and stuff, they keep on showing, I have more and more new stuff I haven't seen before. I'm like, okay! Like, I've officially seen, like, half the movie now. I gotta stop. It's crazy. <laughs> like, even when yeah. Bill Mudrin even... And I, I have been spoiled. I know what the last scene of the movie is. I know what happens and who lives and who dies or whatever happens in that movie. And even then, I'm like, man, I need to say something for myself for, like, fucking December 18th. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, Ooh, oh! Also, we're going to have a special episode that will go live before next week's episode. Very special. Okay. I should have asked Annie permission for this, but I didn't. I was about to say, I'm learning this as you are, listeners. Annie, this you could take on, part, but uh, with any luck, hopefully this will, will actually work out and, and not too many people drop out. But me, Jimmy, Conley, uh, Leland, Mike, and Bobby Roberts are going to record a, comment, a podcast commentary for The Empire Strikes Back next Saturday. Oh, that's cute! So, we're gonna see. Hopefully that works out. Annie, you'd be welcome to come. No, thank you. But thank you. We're just gonna be sitting like, yeah. hey, this, uh, this, uh. I honestly only say no thank you because that's enough fucking people in one room. That is true, yeah. <laughs> well, I've got a very tiny basement. It's mostly us when we're like, hey, I think, I think this is the part where they cut open that tauntaun. I think, I think, is Yoda, is Yoda here yet? Is, is that Yoda? <laughs> I heard Yoda shows up in this movie. Is that why he said he not Yoda would be Yoda? <laughs> oh boy, that sounds <laughs> awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. That should be a good time. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, friends, as always, this is the 201st episode uh -huh. of the Boy Hattie Podcast here in our post-Fallout world. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we're at Boy Hattie Podcast on Twitter. BoyHattiePodcast.com is our website. And we'll be back. Uh, apparently, you'll listen to a commentary episode next week if you're so inclined, but also we'll be back next Sunday to talk about more pop culture garbage. Yeah, you can listen to the commentary while everyone in the world except for Annie is playing Star Wars Battlefield, I guess. Um, <laughs> yep, I will still be exploring the wasteland. But yeah, now that I vented a little bit about Fallout 4, it's all good things from here. <laughs> Unless my save game no, it's... gets corrupted or something, and then I'm just gonna be. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That, I will. I will if if my save came. Cr I hope you know because, like I said, I know this game is a source of love and warmth for you, and I hope I, I hope your luck with this game holds out. So, like, yeah, nothing bad happens. Um, I have to say, like, I am a pretty unhappy person, and I struggle a lot with depression and loneliness and all sorts of garbage that entirely just exists in my brain. And this this is gonna sound weird, but uh, or one of the reasons why I got. I became an alcoholic was that it shut off those parts of my brain and I didn't have to listen to them for five fucking minutes for however long I was 
acceptably drunk before it either, you know, it either went away or I got too drunk and it broke real bad mm-hmm. and I swing away the other end. And there have been very few things in this world that have put me in that same meditative neutrality. Like, I can do it somewhat to meditation, but that takes a lot of effort on my behalf. And uh, I can do it somewhat with, with people. When I spend time with some people, they quiet those demons. And But Fallout is a rare video game that really... Like, playing an Assassin's Creed sort of game also kind of, you know, swaddles me and hums me to sleep mm-hmm. a little bit, but there's something about a Fallout game, and all it's... Uh, how br- I mean, it's such a fucking fiddly-ass game. There's really... There's so much to it, and at the end of the day, there's also not much to it. You shoot dudes, you loot things, you unloot things. Like, that's pretty much all it all breaks down to. But there's something about it that just... It's just like a kiss on my forehead for my ma and a cold and a warm glass of milk and just, you know, it just, sh- it shuts off all that garbage that normally plagues my dumb monkey brain. And for that, I, I just can't. It's better than, better than any drug, talk therapy, alcohol, any, anything I have put, has put me in this embrace. Nothing has soothed me like Fallout does, but and I'm very grateful Annie, for Annie, how could you be happy when you know that my, the pictures on my safe files aren't correct? <laughs> <laughs> how can you, how can you live with yourself? <laughs> I can't believe I'm playing a Fallout game where my character is voiced, I like her voice, and I like to look at her face. Just that. That's the kind of advancements in Fallout <laughs> well, you don't technology get, well, no, that's that right, because you're playing in third person. I was gonna say, you don't get to see your face very often, but at least you get to see your butt. And you get to see it in all the cutscenes, like, and every time you talk to people, like, I like seeing my face, I like hearing her voice, it's just, I can't believe those things are true, and I'm just so grateful. So grateful. Thank you so much, Bethesda, for this gift. That's my heartfelt end to this week's Boy Hottie podcast. <laughs> that is a soothing bomb, as their, like, frayed nerves are still trying to, like, put out another patch this week to try to, like, yeah, like, like oh god, thank god someone's <laughs> happy with this game, they're not yelling at us. Okay, good. Thank you to all the people who crunch so hard to make this weird, unwieldy Yeah, that's the one possible. thing, I can bitch about these games, but the only reason these games are so broken is because they jam it so full of stuff. That's the, the like, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, the only real antidote to this is either, like, double the size of their team or just make the game half as big as it is. And I don't know which would be the better solution or the more feasible one, but, like, yeah, I don't know. They're still great games, though, regardless of... Yeah. And they eventually do get patched, so they kind of pretty consistently work. It's just, yeah, the first couple weeks, it's always, it's always a little bit of a fucking dice roll. I think it's also, I can't help but be, you never played New Vegas, did you? No, I played, man, I played a... Like, maybe, I only played 20 hours of New Vegas, but yeah, no. Because, like, I love, New Vegas is my favorite Fallout game, and I think, on the balance, it's a better Fallout game than Fallout 4, even, mm-hmm. but, um, it is, that is the most broken Fallout game I've ever played, and so I keep thinking, woof, at least no critical person has fallen into the world where I can hear them <laughs> and see where they should be, but they're not there. Yeah, I know, yeah, you and, had problems, like, yeah. Christ. My companions haven't disappeared into the void for all time, and I can't recruit anyone else because technically I still have a companion and shit like that is working. Yeah. So I'm like, this is perfect. This is fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. We'll, we'll let everyone go. All right, then. friends. We'll talk to y'all next week. Okay, take care, guys. It stinks.